Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Joe Minoso from Chicago Fire, and you are listening to Meet Us at Molly's, the One Chicago Podcast. You're standing next to your play family, and to me, there's nothing more important. Not gonna be all sunshine and roses, but I can promise it's gonna be a hell of a ride. Friday, Shy Hards. Welcome to episode 248. Of course, we're covering this week's episodes. It's 8, 12, 11, 12, and 10, 12. And we're just like ready to jump in and go because we've got a lot of pent up rage. So many feelings. So many feelings. Most of them based in anger. Yeah. Last night I fell asleep. Not going to lie. I fell asleep in the middle. Like I finished, as soon as I finished live tweeting, I like pretty much fell asleep. And so when I woke up this morning and I just saw all of the like PD rage, I was like, what the fuck? Twitter was not I a was pretty just, place. Yeah, I was. Well, our text messages, our group text was not a pretty place either. And I was like, Jesus Christ, am I really going to have to watch this this morning? <laughs> like... Uh... Let's call okay. Let's let's call a spade a spade, right? Let's let's be real here. The first half of the season for all three shows was not great. No, was not great. In hiatus, we definitely were just like, okay, all right, we're just gonna like suck it up and 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 charge forward. The first two weeks back from the mid season were great. They were really really good episodes. I feel like this week's match just like knocked us right back into the first half of the seasons. Like, it's not the episodes entirely themselves. It's, like, just little pieces of the episodes, but then, therefore, that ruins the entire episode. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought Petey was a good, a creepy episode, but a good, you know, like, Petey was a good episode until the end. I've got opinions. You know, it wasn't, like, a terrible episode, like, I, you know, but it was, like, the end ruined the episode. And it's, like, same thing with Fire. It's, like... What happens with Cindy and Herman ruins the episode. You know, like, it's not like the whole episodes are trash. But, like, yeah, they're not that great comparatively. Right. Right. So, uh, we always start with the news. There's a little bit, but really, this news came out earlier in the week. And now that the shows have already aired, it's already, like, obsolete. Kind of, yeah. I will say, though, because there was the one thing part of Inside Line, which is a question about, like, Atwater. And, like... The answer they give makes it seem like something else is coming down the pipeline, but it's like, was this just an answer and they should have put it out last week instead, you know, like, it, I don't know. That's I, what I, it I sounds know. like to me, yeah. It's like, it should have maybe come out last week, but they put it out this week, so now I don't, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I, unless they're bringing back somebody else from Kevin's past, but I can't imagine. Yeah, that just seems like a lot. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't complain about it, but, like, I doubt PD's going there. No, no. Uh, the the bonus thing from that, on that it was Matt's inside line, the bonus thing was basically, watch for a, air quotes, curious development on the Upstead front. We uh, got that last night. I don't, I don't and talk, I, we'll talk about it in about two hours. <laughs> I, I want to throw shit. Yeah. Yeah. So... Um, and then there was just another tidbit. Please send scoop on Chicago Fire. And Andrea basically said, Gallo, like Sylvie, is going to have a lot of fun and dating coming up. Always with him, there are adventures and misadventures. So really, all of this is stuff that we saw this week. Yeah. Pretty yeah. much. So. 
That's all we've got on the news. Um, if you see anything, please don't hesitate to send it to us. It really does help us out. Two of us, big internet. Sometimes we miss things. So please yeah. do feel free to send it our way. Uh, we've got one patron shout out. This was a last minute one, late breaking. Um, Brooke Shuck. Brooke, welcome to the family. She sent us the sweetest email. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm excited that she's part of the group now. Welcome to the family. Can't wait to get to know you. Good stuff. Yeah. So if you'd like to support the pod for as little as $2 a month, please check the link in our socials. Lots of cool stuff in there. There's a discount to the merch store, uh, bonus episodes, but uh, the best part of the patron group, hands down, is, is Facebook. It's the Facebook group. Yep. We've formed a little community in there. It's like, a well, not so little anymore, but it's a... Well, and you got group. to meet one of our patrons over the weekend. Yeah, over the weekend, uh, <clears throat> one of our patrons, Amy, not to be confused with my best friend, Amy, uh, our patron, Amy, We uh, she's local. So we met up at the local dog park. Mm. That's so fun. It was fun. Yeah. Her dog is super cute, Finley. Oh my God, he's so cute. That's awesome. Yeah. So we had a good time. We had a really good time. So, all right. Without further ado, it is time to jump into the episodes, shall we? I mean, no, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know, I know. I know. Uh, even Med was a little frustrating to a degree. That wasn't terrible, but it wasn't great either. It was like, eh. Mm. It'll suffice. It'll do. So Archer got the first scene, so we're just going to roll with that. Start with him. So he is seeing the nephrologist in the opening scene. And basically all we need to know here is that all of his numbers are elevated. They shouldn't be where they're at. They're high. He's stressed out. They're swelling. It's not good is basically the gist. But where are we going with this? I don't know. Like on the one hand, the episode or the scene first started, and I was like, oh, Archer's getting help. Like, this is going to be great. Like, it's going to be fine. And then by the end, of course, you find out you said his numbers are up. And I'm like, so what is going to happen? Like, is this going to end up being like he's going to need some kind of transplant or something? Like, is that what's going to happen? So the theory that Lauren and I came to when she was on the show two weeks ago, we're calling Sean Archer's death because we're terrible and we're also scarred. But we were thinking it could be like a resident situation where maybe his son has to give him a kidney, but then like somebody flatlines at the end of the season and then you spend the whole hiatus being like, who is it? Hmm. I could see that. I. I definitely think his son is somewhat involved somehow, and I don't know how, but, like, yeah. Because that seems, like, weird timing. I mean, as much as I love the son stuff, like, seems a little weird timing to introduce that and also this at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Also, why is Steven Weber still listed as a guest star? He's always been listed as a guest star. But I thought, like... I'm pretty sure he's technically a regular, according to Deadline. Now I'm kind of curious. It's it's very confusing. But I don't know why. It's, I don't know. It's it's one of those things that's beyond our pay grade. Let's see. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. This from March 2022, the Deadline, Steven Weber returning as series regular for season eight. Huh. It's a mystery. But literally since he joined the show, he was um, been listed as a special guest star. I don't know. It's one of those mysteries we'll never know. Yep. Don't know. So so 
Enter Crockett. And Crockett is so jazzed about 2.0 now. He's like fully on the 2.0 bandwagon that he wants to train other surgeons on 2.0. I'm already over it. Like, oh, I, like, like the thing that I hate about Crockett, and we've talked about this before, is like, I hate how it's like every season for the last little bit, it's like Crockett gets on this one thing and then that's literally all we see for him. You know, it was like last year it's transplants, this year it's 2.0. And I'm like, do something else for the love of God for one episode, please. He really does latch on to stuff and then like, that's, that's it. all we get. It, he like makes it his whole personality. And I'm just like, I can't, like, I can't. Like, not that I hate it. Like, I like seeing Crockett in this environment. I just want to see something else. So you obviously were not that kid growing up that, like, you got into something and, like, made it your whole identity. Well, I mean, I yeah, I did sometimes. But, like, I also had other interests, too. Because I was definitely that kid, um, as evidenced by the current shirt that I'm wearing. So <laughs> I'm still that kid. I mean, I, yeah, I mean, hello, Glee. I mean, hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I did, but, you know. Okay, so Jack and Jack comes in and Jack's got a new doctor. Her name's Grace Song because, you know, we need more doctors. We can't even introduce fully the ones that we have. I we know. got three interns that we still know nothing about, really. <laughs> and now we're getting a yet another doctor. I'm like, okay. So Jack has Dr. Song and he's like, she's going to shadow you guys, which is not annoying at all. And he's like, yeah, she's going to shadow you and figure out ways that you guys can be more efficient. Basically, she's another talking head for technology in 2.0 and all of that. But she's a doctor, so it's all okay. Yeah. Because she's one of them. Mm-hmm. Totally okay. Uh, you know, so- she's not a like Shintu, but you know, it's like, oh, I can't. Yeah, and she immediately, like, inserts herself into what they're doing. And she she doesn't even, like, wade into the water. She just is immediately like, so here's all the reasons why technology is better. And here's all the reasons why you're wrong. Right. And so Archer and Will are like, the, the fuck? fuck? Who's this bitch? Where did she come from? Yeah. So at one point, Archer calls Will Ginger Spice, which, like, it's so funny, but also, like, you know, Will got teased mercilessly growing up. Nick, too, probably. And, like, Ginger Spice was probably one of the many nicknames that just, like. Okay, what I'm hates. trying to figure out. So, our friend Connor, who wrote last week's episode, responded to, like, my tweet about it and said that it has popped up, that nickname has popped up before. And I, like, could not remember who said it. Oh, wait. Okay, okay. Um, I don't remember, remember Ginger- exactly what he said. I have to find his tweet. But... I don't remember Ginger Spice in particular. I remember some somebody calling him Ginger. Let's see. He said... Hold on. A previous guest star already called him this, and then he said when the script ki- this script came in, I was very happy to see the nickname return. Uh, yeah, yeah. Somebody did call him pre- Ginger Spice. I um, did not remember that at all. Oh no, we're lacking in our one Chicago trivia. Who was it though? I know. I need. I feel like we just need to keep like a running tab of trivia questions. Like that's one I definitely want to add to um, our list. I'm so disappointed in myself for not knowing that. Well, Connor, if you're listening, which I know you are, please let us know. Yeah, which please guest tell star us, was. please, because that's gonna bug us now. Previous guest star it wasn't Pamela. Wasn't was it Hannah before like pre-pandemic? 
that's gonna bug me i'm not i, I i'm not even trying to guess because i don't know i do remember in the early seasons when like his old childhood friends came in one of them called him big red which was pretty funny mm-hmm. i do remember that you just know like for nick and for will both they probably got called ginger spice multiple times growing up so like when he hears it now he's probably like yeah that's hilarious you're definitely not the first person to tell me that what especially like in that time period too right obviously with like the spice girls and whatever like i you know it would all work like that would make so much sense yeah oh man poor guy um but it is pretty funny like grace just says it grace is like oh ginger spice over here which i mean funny but also like hey that's only okay when we say it he's our idiot we get to make fun of him not you you just got here (laughs) you just got here so uh archer and crockett get the girl from the hit and run more about that in a minute and so crockett's like fuck yeah let's go to 2.0 let's just fix this in five minutes and archer's like no we're going old school we're going old school because we're not playing with the fancy toys right now and like we know how to solve the problem so they get into the OR, they're doing it old school and everything, and Crockett is just like, 2.0, 2.0, like, you know what would fix this, 2.0. I'm, I'm, yeah, it's, it's funny, but it's also getting so old. Every time they're like, well, 2.0 can fix that. I'm getting so sick of it. So sick I of it. I just need a one-week break. I just need a one-week break from all things 2.0. Right, right. So Crockett eventually convinces him. So let's take Archer and put him in, like, the worst place in the hospital that he could possibly be. Yep. Like Archer is that boomer who hates technology and is like, I don't know what this app is doing. That's Archer. Does Archer have an iPhone, like a smartphone, or is he still working a flip phone? He does have an iPhone. However, when you FaceTime him, you get like his ear. (laughs) He's that guy. And then he's like, I can't hear you. Wait. And like, yeah, that's Archer. That's Archer. He hates technology hates it yeah yeah uh so they get into 2.0 and i I love what archer says here he's like i feel like i'm operating in a freaking sports bar and i'm like that's kind of what it looks like that's exactly how i feel about 2.0 it looks like a sports stadium it looks like like where the atlanta falcons play is also where the soccer team plays so i've been there before and they have like a a, what's called a halo board it's like a giant ring of like jumbo screens and that is 2.0 yeah that is it so yeah archer's trying to do his thing but there's technology happening and crockett's like yeah you've got it you're doing great you're doing awesome well 2.0 can't mind its own damn business so 2.0 is like um your heart rate's up and archer's like is he talking about me which i didn't even know that 2.0 could do that who knows what 2.0 is capable of anymore like i just when i think i know it's like oh yeah it can measure the doctor's heart rate it can do this and i'm like wait what that is unnecessary yeah. is what that is uh maybe the machine is getting a little too smart maybe. uh you think yeah so every time it says that his heart rate's up it measures his heart rate and then it's like the chance of error has increased to this the chance of error has increased to that and so archer finally gets pissed rightfully so and he's like fuck this shit and he pushes the equipment away mm-hmm. you're lucky he didn't like guitar style smash it he on the could ground. have done it so much worse oh yeah i didn't even really think he did any i mean like yeah he pushed it obviously but like i didn't even really think he did anything to it until later on of course which we'll talk about in two seconds but i was just like i didn't even know he really did anything to it 
But also for such a big fancy schmancy piece of technology, it sure went down pretty easily. He pushed yeah, you it and all think of a it sudden, would be that breakable. Exactly, exactly. The minute he pushed it, it was like malfunction, malfunction, malfunction. Um for all the money Dayton spent on that thing, you would think it would hold up a little bit better than that. Yeah, because like what if that was just an accident and he just like, you know, was like doing the surgery move and like just accidentally like elbowed it or something like that like would it break that easily i'm sure 2.0 would have a fix for that 2.0 probably has some like regenerative technology that like comes back to life itself i don't know i don't know it's so stupid it's so stupid but it's so stupid but at the same time it's crazy to think that this is where we're actually heading in real life I mean, anybody can be a doctor if you've got a OR that's, like, guiding you through the procedure. When you're not going to need doctors. Soon. What? Right? I mean, that seems like the direction we're headed in. Right. It's just crazy to think that, like, yeah, we're kind of making fun of it. Like, oh, yeah, this is really annoying and whatever. But it's, like, sooner rather than later, that's going to be our reality. This feels like the start of a dystopian AU drama on, like, HBO. Yep, we just, yeah. It it really kind of does, though. I just imagine this, like, somehow, I don't know why, but, like, forming with, like, La Brea, and I don't know if that's, like, some weird dystopian (laughs) thing, and I'm just like, what is happening? 2.0 can open a sinkhole to 10,000 BC! (laughs) (laughs) And then it all comes full full circle. 2.0 opens a sinkhole and they're like, hey, it's John Zeta. Antonio, come back to this world. Like, we don't don't need to be there anymore. (laughs) Oh, that's where he went. He went back in time. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. And then he could kick Void out of intelligence and then take over the unit. It's fine. See, we solved everything. I don't, yeah, I I don't know if I want Antonio back, given what they're doing to the most recently departed PD character. Yeah, no, but that he is, can no. stay far. I mean, and we thought that was a bad exit, which it is. It is. They really did him dirty, but like this. Mm. Yeah, it's another topic for two hours from now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay. So, yeah, Archer pushes the equipment out of the way. The equipment like freaks the fuck out. And Crockett's just like, that was unnecessary. Judgy much? so afterwards they have this conversation but then it escalates pretty quickly here's the clip ding i know you didn't mean to no listen 2.0 adds a lot of value to what we do it didn't sense what usually takes us yeah it's a backseat driver man it's a tool just like any other instrument in the er except i don't need a scalpel to tell me my heart rate is up i know it's up and i make the adjustment 2.0 just takes some time to get used to. Yeah, maybe that's the difference between us. So I trust my hands and my instincts, and you've abdicated your judgment to a machine. (laughs) Come on, Dean. (laughs) You broke it deliberately, didn't you? Oh, whoa, hold on. No, that was an accident. You're fired, Dr. Archer. Oh, that's not necessary. I'm not talking to you. I want you off campus in 30 minutes. Get my things. Jack is a real piece of shit this week. Jack Dayton is officially on my shit list. I've just kind of been waiting for him to, like, get worse and worse and worse, but he is officially on my shit list. Like, he he took the rich asshole from, like, zero to ten in about, like, two seconds. It's 
feels like that's like way too extreme, right? I, like, I get it. You're pissed that Archer, you know, broke your technology. I get it. I I get it. But like, okay, he broke it. Does he get fired over that? Like, I don't know. That seems well, like a little extreme. And there's there's a there's a moment when right before Archer and Will are talking to Doctor Song earlier that like Jack kind of makes a crack at him and it's like, well, maybe if you weren't late to work so much, sir. Yeah. You own the hospital. Don't micromanage. Nobody likes that. Yeah. I, yeah. He's officially on my shit list. Stay in your lane. Team Archer. Team Archer, damn it. (laughs) Things we never thought we'd say in a million years. Yeah, if you'd asked us a year ago, would we have said that? Uh, No. 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 (laughs) Oh, how a year can change things. But actually, though, yeah. So... This all ends with Sharon making things right as she damn well should. We need to talk. Look, I don't have time to discuss my decision. You fired the chief of my ED. You need to make time. Your ED? Personnel decisions fall under my authority. Feel free to weigh in on his replacement. Dr. Archer is a vital part of our hospital. His knowledge, his experience, his leadership. Dr. Archer is a liability. He destroyed expensive equipment. He, he's antagonistic towards my staff and a general pain in my ass. Now look, I'm happy to consult with you over matters concerning the operation of this hospital, but this decision is final. If Dr. Archer goes, then I go. Are you serious? Over Dean Archer? I am. He steps out of line again. It's on you. Drag him, Sharon. Drag him. For real. Good win. We stand the. We stand. We stand. We stand the. I I love the parallel here. How Jack is like. Well, he agitates everybody, and he's a mo- he's like a, he's a huge pain in my ass. Like the parallel to Goodwin being like, well, Will was a pain in my ass, and now we're buddies. So sometimes, sometimes when he's useful to me, Sharon Goodwin. On a day that doesn't end in why. Oh, wait, that's all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But actually, though, actually, though, no, I, I do enjoy her going scorched earth. And the minute she was like, if he goes, I go, I was like, hell yeah, hell yeah, I go and too. that's actual leadership. <laughs> yeah, that is leadership. And then the way, like, when Jack looked at her and was like, your ED? Sir, where have you been the past eight years? Damn straight yeah. her ED. Her ED. Her, you yeah. heard her right. This is Goodwin's house. We just live in it. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed that. Yep. I'm just curious. So now are we in like a full-fledged Jack Dayton versus the hospital war? Is that how this is going? I could see us headed in that direction. Oh my God. It's going to be like Chicago Med Civil War. Yeah, kind of. Because you're like, going to have like. Well, I feel like most people are going to be on Team Goodwin. The only issue is Cro- where's Crockett fall? Will. Will. Because remember, he buddied up to Jack a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but you really think he's going to be on Team Jack? <laughs> That's like, at true. the end of the day. He's so desperate for Goodwin's approval every moment of every day. But I think the real, like, question mark in that whole situation would be Crockett. No, Crockett, yeah, Crockett would be torn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I could see Peter going with Jack. Yeah, anybody who's like, I mean, like Peter, Shintu, obviously, yeah, you know, yeah. like anybody like on that side, of course, but. 
anyone else is going to be, I would assume, team Goodwin slash Archer. Yeah. Because Hannah, Maggie, the interns. Yeah. All 12 of them. Dr. Charles. Yeah, all 12 of them for real. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Charles wouldn't betray his bestie. Yeah, no way. Neither would Hannah. It's getting juicy. Mm-hmm. 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 Had a couple listener thoughts on this one. Everybody was very vocal this week as... as they should. They should be because, yeah, this week, man. So Allison G said, when Goodwin said she would leave if Archer was fired, I wanted to yell at the TV, how many characters can men write off in one season? That was a cruel fake out after everything this year. I hear you. Yep. Yep. I yep. hear you. I just, no, no more. <laughs> well, that, that, that I didn't even take as a fake out. It was the addition of Dr. Song. I was like, another doctor? Yeah. That's really what's like kind of mind blowing to me is like we got Doctor Song and then there's also that 2.0 girl right. or whatever yeah yeah and then but it's like we have three interns that we don't know anything like Kai appeared this week and I was like oh yeah I was like we still don't know anything about him and then you have Justin Zach Kai Justin yeah that's five well and then Nelly Nelly mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying you have six and we don't know really anything about any of them nelly a little bit but like barely yep i'm just like i would have rather had two and like actually get to know them versus like six yeah that i'm like not attached to any of them yeah i mean i'm i'm getting attached to nelly um slowly but surely i mean i like justin you know in the two episodes this life but then he's not in this one and i'm like Killing the momentum. I know. I do like Justin. Yeah, I do like him. And 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 Zach too, but that's just because we're trying our best to become buddies with Connor Perkins. Yeah. I mean, Kyle has not been terrible since the beginning. Like he was he's been fine his last couple of appearances, but we don't know anything about him. No, we don't know why he's essentially a cat in doctor form. Well, and like one of them is gonna end up like Terry and literally just disappear at some point and then never been heard from again. Mm-hmm. Just literally going to disappear into thin air. Thin air. Is this like, is this like the NFL draft when like, or like sports team, like the NBA draft when like teams draft a bunch of players and they end up cutting a bunch of them? Is that what this is? Is this like the Chicago Med draft? <laughs> yeah. And we're just trying to see who has like the best combine scores and we're going to cut like the people who don't make it. Yeah. Oh boy. Pretty much. <laughs> The Chicago Med Hunger Games. May the oh, odds be ever in your favor. Oh man. Um, Heather B said Jack Dayton just expressed all of our own internal feelings for Archer when he asked Goodwin if she was really gonna bat for Dean Archer of all people. Queen Sharon is about to ride into battle against Dayton, and I love it and I'm here for it. Totally here for it. Yeah. Are we really going to bat for Dean Archer? Yes, yes, we yes. are apparently. And I team Archer, god damn it. Yeah. I didn't think that was that crazy of a question. Like, the minute he said that, he's like, for Dean Archer. And I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah. This year, hell yeah. Last, Last year. Yeah. No fucking way. This year, hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Team Archer. Yes. Yes. So I literally went in order this week of like, the first scene was Archer. The second scene was Dr. Charles. So that's just how we've laid out the outline. So next up, we're going to talk Dr. Charles and Liliana. Bryna, take it away. 
Yes. So not like a huge storyline, but we do open up and Liliana and Dr. Charles are having coffee. Very cute. They're so I did think it was a little like they're just going for it. Like they're just like out in the open, like hanging out. Like I they're just they're just going for it. Yep. So apparently there's an open mic night later that night, you know, and Liliana's like, oh, no, you don't have to come. And Dr. Charles is like, no, no, no. Like, I love to hear you sing. Like, no, of course I'm going. And he's just like showing all the support. Like, it's just it's really cute. It's very cute. So cute. So then, of course, Peter shows up, a.k.a. lawyer guy. And he is judgy McJudgy face from like the minute he sees them sitting together. Because he, like, rec- he like doesn't know Liliana, obviously, but he, like, kind of recognizes her as, of course, the cleaning lady. And, you know, Dr. Charles is like, look, this is my friend Liliana. She's a very talented singer. He is just, like, so happy to show her off. But Liliana is, like, I uh, feel so uncomfortable right now in this mm-hmm. moment. Because, like, she's just waiting for him to, like, make a comment about how inappropriate their relationship is. Oh, uh, the judging glances. Yeah. That made me mad. Yeah. I was just, and I was just waiting for Peter to make that comment too. Like even like in the middle episode, I was waiting for him to like run into Dr. Charles again and be like, So your friend. Yeah, no. Like I was <laughs> waiting for him to make that kind of comment. Mind your business, Peter. Yeah. Cause I mean, I guess that's technically not against any like policies, right? Well, I I mean they're not officially dating, they're just friends. True, true, true. So, yeah, little awkward kind of ending, and especially because at the end, like Liliana just like gets up and like leaves kind of fast because she's uncomfortable. But um, still, so Doctor Charles gets this patient. Well, really, Kai gets a patient who is running for city council, and he runs it by Doctor Charles because. His patient seems to be okay, but the reason he came in is he had some kind of fall or whatever. And basically, once he came in, they realized he was loaded up on alcohol and benzos. So, Dr. Charles is really trying to work with him to see, like, you know, get deeper, figure out, like, why was he mixing alcohol and benzos and all the things. But the guy basically won't budge. Um, Turns out, though, he's was like avoiding this like big interview that was being done or something like that and basically the guy ends up following him to the like the patient's getting ready to leave the hospital he's just like no i just gotta go like i can't spend any more time here he's like i'm already wasted so much time so he's about to leave and the guy ends up following him to the hospital which like that was like a little weird i was like why i mean like i get it for the story stakes because obviously they have to trigger another panic attack Mm -hmm. but i was like there's no way this interview guy is just like following a candidate to the hospital no it wasn't the interview it was his rival candidate his rival candidate got wind that he was in the hospital and no i think it's the interview guy that was his other candidate because he was supposed to be doing some big interview i think hmm i thought and it's well, it's city council. It's not like it's like the mayor's yeah, race or something. It's not like you're running for president in the United States or something. I know. But anyway, point being, the whole thing ends up triggering a panic attack. And the guy is really embarrassed and he 
doesn't want to feel like he has anxiety and you know dr charles has a really nice heart-to-heart moment with the guy here's a clip did you miss my meltdown out there you know that wasn't my first they keep coming they keep getting worse Mm. what about if i have one in public you think the electorate wants to see that or hear how sometimes i get so panicked that i can't think or function half the time i have no clue why i'm even anxious oh yeah you know that Sounds like a real winner. I don't think you realize how many people actually go through precisely the experience you're describing. You know, did you know that fully 20% of American adults struggle with anxiety disorders of some kind? You just confirmed it. I'm crazy. No one will elect me the mentally ill guy. Would you? Do you mind if I tell you something personal about myself? A long time ago, I was actually diagnosed with depression, and I vividly recall what a blow that was. I was ashamed I felt like I was defective. And then a really smart person asked me if I would feel embarrassed if I'd been diagnosed with diabetes, if I had a heart condition. Of course not. Really helped me reframe my diagnosis because that's what it was Richard it was a diagnosis all of a sudden I had a name for how I felt I had a path towards help you are not crazy my friend I actually really love this perspective from Dr. Charles like I've really never thought about it in that way that like you know if you said you know like because he's talking about like well if you told someone you had diabetes or like you know got diagnosed with a heart disease or whatever like you wouldn't be embarrassed about that so like why should you be embarrassed about something about your mental health it's an interesting it's an interesting way to reframe it it is and i i thought it was really important too because like it's true like you shouldn't be afraid or embarrassed to talk about anything relating to your mental health. Just like I would hope you wouldn't be afraid to talk about the fact that like if you got cancer, like you shouldn't be embarrassed about that. Right. So, yeah, I just thought that was really important reframing because I had never thought about it like that. Big time, big time. And, you know, we're big proponents of that. Normalize talking about mental health. Yes. yes. Erase the stigma. Oh, my God. Erase the stigma into oblivion, please. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everything this guy said, I was like, this was literally me like 13, 14 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. What if I have one in public? I can't function. Like, what do I do? Oh, yeah. 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 Cut to me as an adult. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. Let's talk about it. Yep. Yeah. I get it. Um, And then the episode ends and we get Dr. Charles and Liliana's first kiss. We got to talk about this, though. Yes, not the sexiest first kiss. It it, it was painful, awkward. So Dr. Charles literally, and I'll, I'll cut the video so that you guys can like see this, but literally Dr. Charles like bends down, sticks his neck out, and then makes like the kissy face. So yeah. like he just goes like from this to like bends down, sticks his neck out and goes... <laughs> it was... It wasn't, it, it yeah, it was awkward. It was really awkward. Yeah, it's just like, it's the kind of kissing you would think like you would get from like your grandparents or like, you know, like <laughs> your great aunt or uncle when they like kiss you as you're like leaving their house or whatever. Not a romantic first kiss. 
It's probably been a really long time since Oliver Platt has done an on-screen kiss. Chicago Med. Um. Oh yeah. Not with not with um. With Lonnie. Yeah. With yeah yeah yeah. I assume I would. I mean, I hadn't gone back to count Doctor Charles's. Okay, maybe maybe it was the height difference that like made it kind of not. I don't know. I just feel like that was that was really bad but it's all over plot like he dude's a legend like i'm, I'm gonna well, get yeah obviously it's just like and i like the idea of dr charles and liliana too so it's just like it should have been so eh, but it was just eh. maybe it was the camera angle and the fact that it was like practically head-on i don't know it, it didn't work they need to do i I need to see them kiss one more time so we can like determine what it actually what is actually happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it wasn't pretty, but yeah, yeah. No, I'm glad they had their first kiss. It just wasn't pretty. No, no, it is I- not one that will be gift forever and ever. No, no. <laughs> no. I, w- no. I would hope not. I would hope not. And I hope that like whatever differences they were having, because, you know, Liliana was like, why did you tell Peter I was an opera singer? Because like, you're not proud that I'm a housekeeper. Yeah. Uh, I'm hoping that that got like ironed out. Yeah. But it's emblazoned in my brain now. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Every time I think about that kiss, I'm just going to think about you like reenacting <laughs> from dr charles <laughs> but that's literally what it was i know it's just that's what i'm gonna think about instead now i have a better memory of that moment so thank you oh you're welcome you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> oh man so next up we've got maggie and sharon this was a little bitty part of it but i mean it ended pretty important so yeah so we start this episode maggie's truck died and Maggie drives a truck. That was Maggie. honestly the first thing I was like, Maggie drives a truck. I mean, I guess it makes sense. I could see Maggie driving a truck. I did not picture Maggie driving a truck. But literally, like every week for the past like two or three, every episode has started off with her being like, Ben used to do this. Or like, Ben used to help me with this. Ben used yeah. to make me breakfast. So now I'm having a sad muffin in the hospital cafe. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, so so this week her truck died and Sharon comes to get her and she's like, Ben used to help me with this. Like, yeah, now I'm alone. So, uh, yeah, so so like they're kind of having some small talk and Maggie just says, I don't know how we come back from this if we don't talk. You think? Yup. You think? And I don't want to like keep hammering Maggie over the head, but like you brought this on yourself. You kind of did. You did all of this. I, and again, I don't want to say that she's like 100% to blame, but she's like 95% to blame. I love Maggie, but like part of being a friend is giving tough love, as we've talked about in recent weeks. And that part of being a fictional friend is us being like, girl, you fucked up. You done fucked up. Yeah. 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 As Lauren says, she made choices. She did make choices. She made choices. Yeah. So that's all fine and well. And Goodwin's like, great, let's go to the hospital. Well, of course not, because this is a medical show and medical characters cannot just live normally in the real world. They, they just so happen to be in the right place at the right time. Yes. But like, 
Yes. I mean, if you're yes. a healthcare worker, can you please confirm whether you just like come across medical emergencies every moment of every day? I, you know, as the daughter of a healthcare worker or a former healthcare worker, I can confirm that that does not happen like ever. Is this like one of those things where like you become a healthcare worker and it like unlocks a secret universe or something? And so medical emergencies just materialize out of thin air? Sure, we'll go with that. But no, <laughs> I don't even I'm trying to think like, I mean, as many times as in public that I've been with my dad, obviously my whole life, like, have I ever run across one with him? No, I don't think so. Uh, it, it's one of those TV magic things that irks me. Not to say that it can never happen to you, right? Like, of course, if you're a doctor, like, there's all, how many times, like, on a plane has someone been like, we need a, you know, doctor? Like, you know, like, it happens, but like, TV makes it seem like it happens every day and it does not happen every day. I've been flying for 25 years of my life now and I've never once had one of those situations happen. Yeah, I've never had one of those either. It happened to a friend of mine who's a nurse. So I know it does happen, but like, very rarely. Okay. Just checking. It's just TV just makes it seem like it's like every day you go out. It's like, oh, t- going to the grocery store this week. What kind of medical emergency I'm going to run into today? Just, like just, yeah. fainting, car crash. Like, what am I going to run into today? Exactly. Exactly. Poor Bowden was at the grocery store and a car drove in. Yep. Yeah. That's that's one of those little TV things that irks me. You know what else irks me? Like a little tiny TV thing that irks me? Okay. Well, what? N- never mind. I have two. Okay. So. The minute they get in any sort of precarious situation, they just happen to find every single dead zone in the entire city. This is not just Chicago. Yep. This is every single other yep. one. And every time there's a phone number on TV in general, it starts with 555. Yeah. I understand that one because like psychos will dial numbers, but it still irks me. I'm like that. Is that's... 555 a real zip code or area code? Well, not the area code. Every number starts with that. And that there oh. is no number that starts with 555. Somebody's number. Eventually, they're going to need somebody's number to start with 555. Right? I don't know. I don't know. But it's hard to suspend disbelief when, like, it's like, oh, here's my number, 555-1234. And you're like, dude, dude, no. (laughs) I guess they're afraid that, like, they're going to accidentally give off someone's number Mm -hmm. if, you know, but, like. You know what I'm saying? Eventually, they're going to need 555. There's only so many number accommodations you can make. I don't know. Movie magic. (laughs) Anyway, we digress. So, yeah. So, Sharon and Maggie are just trying to live their lives, and a hit and run happens right in front of them. Mm -hmm. Right in front of them. Uh, yeah, so this car goes like speeding down the block, hits this woman, and her girlfriend is there with her. And the girlfriend is just like, motherfucker, he just like, did you see what he just did? So Sharon and Maggie, like you said, right place, right time. They're both just like, hey, look, we're nurses. We work at the hospital where they're taking her. This is too perfect. Like, ride with us. It'll be okay. Like, it's cool. So the girlfriend gets in the car with these two women that she just met. And a little odd, but like, okay. Um, yeah, and so, and then in the back seat as they're driving, like, it turns out she got hurt too. So she has a casual tension, pneum- tension pneumothorax or something in the back seat. And Maggie's just like, let me fix this. Casual. Casual. Just needle into the lungs, just in the back seat while driving. Also, did you catch the bad green screen while they were driving? 
No, I did not. Look at like the city, the images of the city. Oh God. It's I can only so, imagine. It's so bad. It's so bad. But also, also, I caught how like because I, I definitely caught wind of the bad green screen. I was like, that's funny. But also downtown is like so far in the distance from where they're driving. I'm like, how where far are they? Yeah, where are they? Where does Maggie live in relation to downtown Chicago? Right? I was like, that's usually the view when you're coming from O'Hare. Like you see downtown like way off. In the yeah, distance. like way. <laughs> just these are the little details that we just enjoy making fun of because it's just fun. Yep little ones but yes yes next time you watch that go back and like pay attention to the surroundings it was definite green screen oh god oh yeah yeah i've actually gotten so good at spotting green screens now that charlie does it with me like i've trained charlie how to spot the green screen funny little things anyway so maggie reunites the two at the end because again she was the girl from the hit and run went with archer and crockett to get operated on all that stuff so maggie reunites the two girlfriends at the end because they had had a fight and that's why basically what that's that's why they got hit is because they were fighting and they weren't paying attention and the car just like hit and run so they apologize to each other and you know they're all tearful and just like i'm sorry i'm sorry i love you i love you and this spurs maggie to go see ben it's about time Yep. It's about time. And we get this. Look, Ben, the longer we don't talk, it's like the bigger the divide between us becomes. And I can't stand it. You can't. Maggie, you lied to me. I'm sorry. And I know that I need to earn back your trust, but I can't let this stupid mistake ruin the best thing that's ever happened to me. You're not gonna give up on us. Our marriage, our... Our love is stronger than this. Look, judging by the look on Ben's face, I don't know where we're at. I don't know okay. if there's a chance of reconciliation. I, I was just going to ask you that. Like, do you think if you're in Ben's shoes, right? Like, what would you do? Because, like, if I'm in Ben's shoes, I don't know if I would want to forgive Maggie or, like, feel like I could move. Like, it's one thing, like, maybe I could forgive, but I don't know if I'd forget and be able to, like, reconcile. That that he can say that he forgives her until he's blue in the face but the truth is he's never going to forget that right and like how do you move past that yeah exactly exactly and the look on his face he was having none of it yeah i just don't know and it's like it sucks because i love them together but i just i don't know i don't know if there is a light at the end of this tunnel and even even though nothing happened, it's she still lied to him. Well, and it's not even the lie. It's like, I mean, it is partly the lie, but it's also like he repeatedly asked you about it and basically told you, please don't do this. Like, please don't see him. Like, please don't have him in your life. And she basically was like, oh, sorry. Like, I'm going to do what I want and did it anyway. See, and that's a, that's a tough one too. Like, 
that that is a tough one to be like, hey, spouse, like you can't have this person in your life. That's kind of a reach, but like, I think he only asked her though. It wasn't even like a, I don't even think it was like, I think it was maybe partly jealousy, but I don't even think it was all jealousy though. I think it was just like, you're clearly not yourself and you're gonna, you're prone to doing more rash things when you're with this person and like I just don't know if you need to be around him I I think the ask of not being around Grant might that might have been a little bit too much but with that said however I'm trying I'm trying to put myself but the in thing is shoes. she said she was she the thing is and like yes you can argue that point mm-hmm. but the thing is she agreed and so yeah. then she broke the agreement. What, regardless, Maggie was willing to do it and willing to cut Grant out of her life. And then she was like, oh, nope, I'm not. And so, right. like, yeah. I mean, she, but she, like, went against her word. On, I've got to be really honest. If I'm Ben, I probably I don't it. know. I probably I don't it. know. And that's not to say that, like, in a while from now, you know, maybe they could, maybe, you know, it's just not the right time and that doesn't mean they can't reunite down the line but like right now it's not happening no and you don't want ben to force a forgiveness when really he's no because then that's just gonna make them both more miserable exactly exactly and he's just gonna he's just gonna resent her the rest of the way yep which i hate i hate saying this because I love them together. And like right now we don't have any happiness. Like ship like we don't have any like Maggie and Ben were it. And it's just like But yeah. 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 I think she meant every word of what she said, but Ben is too hurt. Mm-hmm. Which I understand. I mean I I totally get it. Yeah. I mean, the, the the lion in and of itself. I mean, the lion in and of itself shows that, like, it shows a lack of respect for him. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Mags. Yeah. I mean, we do all make mistakes, and, yeah, we do do sure, second chances, but... You shouldn't have, you know, your mistakes define you either, necessarily, but, like, sometimes you have to know that I think it would define her if she were to stay with, if Ben does take her back and like continues to hold it over her head. Which he will. He he won't right. be able to help it. Right. And it's not like he's purposefully doing that, but it's just going to naturally happen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. See, I also think it was too much to ask to keep Ben out of her life because of Vanessa. But now that Vanessa is gone... Like, once Vanessa left, it shouldn't have been an issue. Yeah. Maggie. Maggie, Maggie, Maggie. Mm-hmm. I know. I feel bad for her. I really do. Yeah. I'll be curious to see. I mean, and obviously, this is just our opinion, so I'm curious to see what actually happens. Like, yeah. does Ben actually take her back? I'm glad it's up in the air, though. It makes it interesting. Yeah. And if it does happen, honestly, like, I'd be okay if they wasn't a immediate resolve like let maggie work for it like if they didn't get back together till like the season finale i'd be okay with that yeah yep indeed okay so next up william yeah your favorite my favorite i know um take it away go for it okay 
So Will is working on a child patient and the parents don't really know what's going on. All they know is basically their first child died 12 years ago and now they're worried that obviously the same thing could be happening again. And Will, this patient has Will stumped. He is not quite sure what's going on, but the kid then has a seizure, which throws any potential theory he had already, like, out the window. And Dr. Song, who we obviously talked about earlier, is checking his work. And Will's like, what the fuck? Like, this is not your patient. Like, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. Um, But basically, so Will gets a genetic panel done and it comes back and Will mentions like how tedious it's going to be to sift through all the data. And I guess this is what Dr. Song specializes in or whatever. I don't know exactly, but she offers to create like basically sift through it and use some of the databases that she's already been working on. But basically to like help him sift through it like a lot faster. So she's a doctor who also knows how to code? So see, I don't know if I took it as like, I was wondering if she they meant like genetic codes. But she I don't know, to build, like looking through like genetic codes. She still had to build the database. I get, I, I don't know. It's impressive though. I mean, if she's just like, hey, um, let me just whip together this database in a couple hours and I'll solve the problem. Like, all right, you're okay. Never mind. I take it back. You're cool. You're cool. You can stay. But Will ignores that part anyway because he like opts to do it the old fashioned way. He's like, no, thank you, but like, no, I'm good. So the kid ends up having another seizure, and so Will wants to move forward. And you know, so he goes back to Doctor Song and is like, I really could use your help, but she needs more time, and so. Will comes up with the idea to put the kid in a coma so that it buys Dr. Song a little more time. And of course the parents aren't happy at first, but Will's like, I swear this is literally the last resort. Like we don't have any other options. And she ends up finding the mutation and it's for some like really, really rare disease. And basically it is very treatable though. So all all ends well that then I can't even speak. (laughs) It it ends fine. Yeah that uh, yeah I, I i like any time that will gets a win but you know when i say good things about will it doesn't mean anything so um but i like uh, i like when he gets wins okay question for you Ooh, as the will stand so okay. they definitely i think kept kind of like giving will and dr song these like glances is that gonna be the new romance that was gonna be my question for you because in the promo photos for episode 13 they're pretty much the same they're like side by side and will had this face at one point where i was like that's his interested face i I don't know i just do think it's really interesting that like this year you know given all the changes and all the characters coming in and all the characters leaving that like we really I mean, obviously, you had Ethan and April get to ride off in the sunset happy. Mm-hmm. And you have Dr. Charles and Liliana. But there's no, like, major ship on med right now. Right. And so, like, I'm kind of curious of, like, are they ever... I mean, I'm sure, obviously, at some point, they will introduce another major ship. But, like, at this point, who is it? Because, I don't know, there's so many different pairings and options. I'm like, wait, huh? <laughs> I can't wait to hear all the ways that, like... 
robotic technology can enhance their experience in the bedroom. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't even want to go there. <laughs> well, 2.0, not, not, I, no. I don't even, I don't even want to go there. <laughs> I don't want to know that part of 2.0. I don't even want to go there. <laughs> oh, no. I can't believe you just said that. You can't? No, I, no, I just have mm. You've known me how long now and you're surprised? No, I'm not surprised, but like you just kind of got that thought in my head and now I can't get it out. There, There's there's a joke in there somewhere about like crunching numbers. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. But it, I am just curious because, like, it made them see, you know, they really had a couple of glances and it, like, it was like, okay, well, maybe this is, I don't, I just don't know who the ship is going to, like, who's the next Chicago Med ship? Well, right. And, and, and when Lauren was on a couple of weeks ago, we, we asked the question about Crockett and Dupre. We were like, so. Yeah. You've got that potentially. But then, you know, so you've got Will, I guess, and Dr. Song. And then we already talked about Hannah's, like, love square. square. But then you, so yeah, there's like always the Will and Hannah in the background, obviously. Mm -hmm. So like, what's happening? Right. And, and we could be completely wrong on this. Like, I mean, yeah, I just, I just do find it interesting that like, there is no major ship on the show currently. Right. Right. I just, I feel like anytime a male and female character cross paths, you've got to ask the question because how many times in the past have we like not asked the question and then been completely blindsided the next episode? True true upzik well and i don't think i would have made that comment if like they there were definitely a couple of like looks right and he was like super impressed by what he did and then at the end was like will you train me yeah like i i wouldn't have just made that comment out of willy-nilly you know like i don't make that comment about just any male and you know female interaction but like that one i was like ah. 2.0 being like so-and-so's heart rate is up to this <laughs> I just picture it's like your heartbeat is up to this. It's beating really fast. He really likes you. Like that's just <laughs> what I picture. 2.0 sensing vibes. <laughs> Please confirm whether you want to fuck this person. Oh my god. We have to do Valentine's Day cards but like as 2.0 like <laughs> yes. we have to. Yes. Oh, let the brainstorm begin. Yeah, we still got like four weeks. It's fine. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 2.0 thinks you're really pretty. Like, <laughs> really pretty. <laughs> 2.0 agrees. So you think you're really pretty. <laughs> oh, God. oh, goodness. Risk assessment up. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. So last up, we've got Hannah. This freaking queen. I love her so much. The actual queen of my life. Like, I I just stay in a queen. I just, like, I love her so much. We really I, need Hannah Asher merch with, like, a queen crown on it. Mm-hmm. Because I would wear that shirt every day for the rest of my life. I'll get on that. I will get on that. I need some sort of, like, crossover scene. I need Hannah and Violet in the same room. And oh, just, like, my God. I know. I just need to watch them, like... Set the world on fire. I need it. Need it in my life. Yeah. Yeah. 
give me that B story on fire where like Hannah and Violet come together and join forces and just like change the world. Yeah. I would like that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Oh man. Okay. So Hannah's been trying to get some FaceTime with Jack. I love this woman so much because she has thrown all caution to the wind. Hannah does not give a fuck anymore. She takes no one's shit and I am here for every second of it. It's the best. It's the best. Okay. So she's like, hey, Jack, I've been trying to get time with you. And Jack just blows her off. And so he gives his speech about Grace and everything. And he's like, yeah, I hope that helped. And she's like, actually, no, it didn't. It didn't answer any of my questions love her so much that just just oh oh art art okay so hannah gets a patient she's postpartum she just had a baby like a week ago and she will not stop bleeding this woman's just been bleeding non-stop for like a week and a half so they do a dnc it fixes the problem what or what they thought was the problem but then she just keeps bleeding so, and keeps bleeding. And just keeps bleeding. And she mentions, she's like, oh, like I called my doctor's office and they told me it was normal and they just blew me off. Dude. 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 I didn't realize that like that happens a lot more than I thought it did. Yep. Uh, yeah. Doctors are not the same as they are. Or as they used to be. Like, it, medicine has really changed a lot. And it's like, they really just don't care. I have had a doctor look at me before and tell me it was anxiety. But I think it actually was anxiety. So. I had a doctor. Well, I've been trying to get in to see, like, a new specialist. Which I think I told you about. Mm-hmm. And, like, their office. I literally made the appointment, like, two weeks ago. And it's, like, in May. And that was, like, the soonest they could get me in. And they, my dad was like. So what what are you telling me? Like, you know, because, you know, he's like, so what happens in the meantime? Like, why, you know, like, what do you do if you're like really having an emergency or like whatever and you just can't get in that fast? And she and the girl who like answered the phone was like, well, you know, we just recommend you go see like your you know regular doctor. And my dad was like, well, if she was having issues, you know, and your regular doctor could fix it, I wouldn't be calling you. Like, it's crazy how much they just like turn you away. It's, it's like, yeah, crazy. Which, I mean, that could spark a whole other debate uh, about how broken the system is. But, I mean. We'll save that for a different pod. That's a different pod. Yeah, that's like, that's a a smarter pod than us. Um, But, yeah. So, turns out that this woman has something called uterine atony. Atony? Atony? Never heard of it. Me neither. The minute that's like the minute that Hannah explained it, it's basically basically like her uterus wasn't contracting enough to stop the bleeding. Yeah. And so the only way to fix it is by a total hysterectomy. So I was like, great, great. I need more nightmare fuel about like what my body could possibly do to me. Thank you for that. Yeah. I like started Googling and I was like, oh, Jesus. So your uterus just tries to kill you by making you bleed out yeah on top of all the other ways they can actually try to kill you mine tried to kill me like eight years ago yeah just not okay nice to know that there's like an organ inside me that wants to murder me but okay cool yeah Mm -hmm. thank you for the nightmare fuel so yeah so this woman i mean and and she's only 26 this girl's 26 and she wants more kids like she was very clear with hannah like i definitely want to have a big family but the only way to fix this is a hysterectomy so that she can't have any more kids it's either that or she bleeds to death yep 
So what does Hannah do? She goes and just causes a stir. Here's the clip. I can see you're busy, so I'll just paraphrase my email. Dr. Asher, you can't just burst into our meeting. The Department of Public Health has a new program, partnering with hospitals for in-home postpartum wellness checks on mom and baby. We need to join. Yes, I'm familiar with it. However, it requires too much in terms of cost and resources. It's pennies to you. We can revisit it once the initiative proves its worth. Mr. Dayton, it has already proven its worth. I just did a full hysterectomy on a 26-year-old. For nine days, she was bleeding so badly she almost died, and no one knew because no one saw her. If my patient would have had that program, a nurse trained in postpartum care could have seen that that bleeding wasn't normal and gotten her help before she hemorrhaged. Instead, she has given up the chance at more children. This never had to happen. So put your money to good use and sign us up. Okay. Get us enrolled. Hannah, Hannah, Hannah. I fucking love how she just like strolled in and they're like, uh, we're in the middle of something. She's just like out of my way. I don't care. You're going to listen to me. This is the thing that kills me. Okay. So, so I, I love how she marched in and was like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. This is my meeting now. But also like men are always so quick to call women sensitive and emotional and shit that the reason why they do that is because they don't listen to us unless we do exactly what Hannah did. Yeah. Maybe if the men would listen to the women in their lives, we wouldn't have to do that kind of stuff. Yep. If you would just shut up and listen. What a novel concept. Imagine that. Yep. Imagine that. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. There are times in my professional life where, like, I have to be pretty firm. And, like, you know, certain people are just like, oh, my God, like, what's your problem? And I'm like, you know, maybe if you'd listened to me the first time I said this, I wouldn't have to, you know, present it in a different way. Yep. Just saying. I'm just saying. And we saw the same thing happen with Stella, but that's another discussion for an hour from now. Yeah. I love Hannah. I love her so much. I stan a queen. Just, she has no more fucks to give, and I love it. Queen. Queen, queen, queen. All right. So, any other notes on med? No. Just, it was okay. Yeah, it was okay. It was okay. Uh, yeah. So... Next or the next one, the promo looks pretty good actually. It's like a giant storm. So yeah, we'll see what happens in there. two weeks from now because yeah. we've got the next two weeks off. Yeah, we do. We do indeed. All right, fire time. Rage. Yeah, rage. Okay, start us off with Brett and Gallo, please. Okay, so we start off, and Brett is helping Dylan with a magic show for the kids that he works with um it's cute i mean you know she seems to be having fun you know which is a big change from the sylvie we've seen in the past 12 episodes yeah she seems to be enjoying herself um and so after she and violet drop off a patient at med you know violet notices the she's got like glitter all over her face or whatever it's cute and brett mentions to violet that the audit on paramedicine is officially closed so, seems like things are going well for Brett. But she can always use a win. Right? Um, 
So later on at the house, Ritter shows Gallo this TikTok of a girl talking about a firefighter that she met on a call at her job and she is hoping to be reunited with. And Ritter is like, I swear, she's talking about you. Like, didn't you guys respond to a call? Blah, blah, you know, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, you should DM her. Like, what do you got to lose? Like, and, you know, convinces Gallo enough. I did think it was funny, though, because, like, Calf at one point is like, don't do it. It's a thirst trap. Like, what the hell does Calf know about thirst traps? That's what That was my question. I was like, sir, where did and you I- learn that? <laughs> tweeted it at randy or i tweeted something about it to randy and he did not respond last night so i'm like randy i just need to know yeah yeah that that was funny yeah i mean he 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 probably he probably like secretly knows how to work tiktok no i'm just talking about a thirst trap yeah i mean i i think i think cap like cap knows his way around the internet is what i mean oh god I know. No, I know. That's a scary thought. It's totally a scary thought. I bet you, like, I could totally see Cap having, like, a totally nerdy TikTok that nobody knows about. About what? Like, he's totally into something we wouldn't think that he's into. Like, something really nerdy. Like, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Um, like he probably watches some show that like you would never expect him to watch and he's like really into it too it's probably like the trashiest reality tv show you could possibly think of maybe maybe yeah and he's like still like really into that and so he's like deep within the fandom on tiktok like i could totally see that that's hysterical like he's got a days of our lives podcast i could totally see that that's hysterical yeah yeah cap I was just surprised that they could get away with using TikTok, like saying TikTok and not coming up with some like fake version. Yeah, that's true. That's true. This I feel is- like most of the time when they have those like similar things, you know, like it's like clip talk or what, you know, like they use, that's what the rookie calls it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That's right. That's right. Did I hear correctly that one of the people on rookie feds, like one of the characters was on a the vampire cop show? Yes. That is correct. He's an actor on a vampire cop show, now turned FBI agent. That is correct. Oh, so he was an actor and he became an FBI agent. Yes. Okay. Okay. Saw this talk about vampire cop on Tuesday and I was like, the fuck? Like, what in the twilight? And You should watch Feds. It's pretty good. I mean, I I didn't think this week's episode was that great, but it was, I mean, they've been pretty good. I know. I need to. I need to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Side, side, side note, anyway. Yes. Um, but also, um, this, finding this girl on TikTok is, like, the most gallow way to find a girl. Yeah. The most millennial thing it's ever. so on brand. But also, I love Ritter hyping him up, being like, dude, go. Do it. Do it. Yeah. So, TikTok girl, aka Kayla, gets back to him, and they're going axe throwing, which, of course, like, gallow drinking and throwing axes sounds like a recipe for a disaster. I, that... Like, I mean, I guess it could be fun, but like, yeah, it just it what, sounds dangerous. Throwing? Yeah, it is fun. Have you been? Uh huh. Huh. We have an axe throwing bar. I went for a friend's birthday. It's it's pretty fun. Casual. Yeah. Okay. It's fun. I don't know if I'd do it like all the time, but like, it was fun. Huh. Okay. But like Gallo drinking and throwing axes—that just sounds like Gallo of all people. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so awkward. 
Yeah. Well, and then, of course, she's like, you know, Cubs or Socks, and Callow's like, Cubs? And she's like, great, because, like, I cannot date you if I, you know, you are a Socks fan. And she's like, okay. Because her dad works for the Cubs. Yeah. No, I know, but it's just like, okay. I know. Okay. So... On the way out of the locker room after shift, Brett makes a comment to Violet about, you know, she's like, oh, you know, because she sees, like, Gallo so excited about it. She's like, oh, you know, like, uh, she's like, I wish dating could be that fun and casual. And Violet's like, well, is it not? Like, are you not having fun? And she's like, well, yeah, no, I, I mean, I am. She's like, I like Dylan, but I just feel like, you know, it's moving way too fast. So Violet tells her, she's like, listen, just come clean with them so there's no misunderstandings, like. The worst you could do was, like, put it all out there and be in the, you know, like, that's the worst you could do. Solid advice. Yeah. I thought so. So, Brett takes Violet's advice and, like, comes clean with Dylan and, you know, he seems to take it well. Like, of course, he's into her, but, like, you know, he's willing to, like, still be seeing her. He didn't, like, break up with her because of it. So, okay. <laughs> and Gallup's feed seems, like said, seems to be going well. Like, and... Then Kayla gives him a glove that she, you know, left at the scene of the fire. But what I think is even more weird is that she kept the glove. Right? That's a little... Like, you were just holding on to it, hoping to run into a the fireman. Like, huh? It's a little stalkery. A little stalkery. Just a little bit. A little bit. But... Gallo doesn't really know like he handles it well but it's not his glove it's some random guy who we've never heard of from first shift and Gallo's like but I don't know what to do you know I I really like her but like it's not my glove and Violet's like listen come clean with her especially after what happened with Herman's niece like again what's the worst you could do I mean like you're better off to be honest about it again solid advice I thought so. So Gallo brings Kayla to Molly's and comes clean. But, like, she's not even really mad about the glove. Like, she's just hung up on the fact that, like, Gallo kind of word vomited it out and was like, you know, I had this situation with my lieutenant's niece. And that's literally what she's hung up on. She's like, you slept with your lieutenant's niece? (laughs) Oh, goodness. And then, of course, at the same time, across the bar, you've got Brett, who brought Dylan to Molly's, and he comes clean that he is not actually okay with casual dating. So they break up, too. I like that we got happy Sylvie in this episode, but why did it come at a cost? Yeah, and I mean, I don't think anyone thought that Dylan was her, like, person. I mean, you know, I kind of expected a breakup to happen sooner rather than later, but, like, yeah. They haven't paid any attention to her since the Halloween episode. And, like, the first bit of Sylvie we get is her getting broken up with. Well, we had the fire, the safe box. That was this, that was, like, two weeks ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But, But, as um, always, it's just the job and her dating life. There's no other facet to Sylvie. Yeah. When even, like, the Gallo stuff, it was, like, okay, like... It was fine. Like the Gallo, I thought the Gallo thing was going to be funnier. Like in the beginning, when they like show the first TikTok video, I was like, oh man, this is going to be hysterical. And then it just was like fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It wasn't terrible, but it was like not as funny as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. It was just, it was fine. Yeah. And so fine. now we've got single Sylvie and 
continuing to be single Gallo. So we did get some listener thoughts about this. Um, Allison G said it was entirely predictable that Gallo wasn't the firefighter the TikTok woman was looking for and that he would screw up the whole situation. I guess that was supposed to be the comedy storyline, but Gallo making a fool of himself again just wasn't funny. It, it was it was fine. It can only be happened so many times in a season. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, Manny said with this episode I thought the Gallo storyline was pretty funny even if we already knew where it was going from the beginning however it was tainted for me when they brought Sylvia into the storyline because I felt like it slightly diminished both storylines Sylvie's felt a bit more dramatic and concentrated at the beginning but then we were making light of the situation by the end and with Gallo to me it felt like Sylvie's storyline took away from what could have been a lot funnier had it just been between him Violet and Ritter they also did something similar with Sylvie's storyline with the safe shelter boxes a few episodes a few episodes ago personally i feel like fire was better when they were able to keep the dramatic and comedic elements separate not putting them together and then leaving us with something of a confused ending it's true i i kind of feel like that too it's like once the sylvie and the gallo storylines combined by the end i was like okay like i would have much rather been like a true comedy storyline with like you said gallo ritter and violet mm-hmm. that and like sylvie stuff be sylvie stuff and, like, sure, Violet gives her advice or whatever, but, like, keep them separate versus, like, them all kind of blending together. See, and, and the other thing that, like, I don't like when the show falls into is when they do the comedic storylines with the same characters. Like, jazz it up a little bit. Well, and, like, speaking of Ritter, where the hell is Ritter's storyline this year? Right? Like, you could have easily have done a version of, like, this like Ritter seeing someone on TikTok and like thinking he's cute and like you could have done a different but kind of the same idea storyline with like Ritter Mm -hmm. but no we did Gallo again but like where the hell is Ritter's storyline no no but actually though but justice for Ritter justice for Ritter I'm with you on that yeah yeah that is all so next up, we've got Herman and Cindy because <gasps> we have to be sad at all times. Nothing good can ever happen. It has to be heartbreak and trauma. Every time. Round the clock. All the time. Yep. Yeah. So, okay. So Herman requests the next shift off, you know, and he, he just tells Bone, he's like, Cindy's having surgery. And then he just leaves it at that. Um, He just says it's kind of like routine stuff, whatever. So Bowden catches Herman at one point and Herman's doing like the emo stare out the window. Like he's just kind of staring out the window with like the rain falling and like my chemical romance playing in the background. It's like one of those. And so Bowden comes into Herman's quarters to get his preference for release or relief officers. And he notices something's up. And so Herman comes clean about Cindy having cancer. And so, and I did not, I was surprised that we got this scene, like given past see like given certain things that have happened in the show's past like they don't usually get this personal i was really surprised we got the scene Mm -hmm. so we get the scene of herman and cindy telling the kids that she has cancer it's like one of those scenes where like i'm glad that like you said we got the scene but i wish we were getting the scene for a more happy reason yeah yeah like we when when we never get to see very rarely do we get to see like cindy herman and all the kids together yeah Like usually we get like one maybe two kids but we never get all five kids together and i was like i want that content but like for a happy reason right 
Right. I, I, this, this is like a deeply personal moment for the Her the Hermans. And I, so I was, I was really like taken aback that we got it. And so, yeah. And so Herman just kind of laid it out to the kids and they tell the kids about Cindy's cancer. And both of them are just like, you know, Hey, it's going to be okay. I'm going to be okay. I promise, you know, it's going to be good. Little Kenny. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, Kenny just like throws himself at Cindy to hug him, which just like that is a heartbreaker. Yeah. And when she says like, I'm, you know, I'm going to be okay. Just like dad said, I promise. Literally everyone knows when you say the words promise on TV, that's when shit hits the fan. That is when shit hits the fan. And so as soon as she told Kenny that she promised and I was like, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Cindy goes, Cindy goes into surgery. Herman's waiting around. And I mean, this is Herman's worst nightmare. Mm -hmm. The love of his life is in surgery for cancer and he can't do anything but sit there. And like mm-hmm. nobody from the firehouse is with him or anything. Like, oh, so Bowden shows up because Bowden's like, I knew you were going to go nuts if you were alone. Like, well, I'm and just... Bowden's the only one that knows. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so Bowden shows up for support, and so he sits there and he's just like Herman. He's like, think of all the stuff you guys have been through. Like, I, it's amazing they haven't named part of this hospital after you. Which, like, oh yeah, that's that's a good point. <laughs> now that I think about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, Herman tells him a funny story about Annabelle's delivery and just, you know, they're like, her, Bowden keeps him distracted, which is good. So Cindy gets out of surgery and it's like one of the last scenes of the episode, but the doctor basically says, look, we couldn't get all of it. So now we start chemo and radiation and all of that stuff. And all I have to say to this is why, why? Right. It's like, I know last week I said, I hope they didn't resolve it in like one episode because that would feel kind of pointless and unrealistic, you know, to be just be like, oh yeah, Cindy, your cancer's gone. Like, yay. But like, now that we're in that moment, I kind of wish I like hadn't said that. Like, I kind of wish it was the opposite. And I just wish, the thing is, is like, I don't think any of us would be feeling this. <laughs> oh, sorry going like dire about the situation if we hadn't been burned already so much this season not just fire but pd and med like i think we you know if this happened even like last year or two years ago like two seasons ago i think we'd be like oh yes then he's gonna be fine i like this storyline wouldn't bother us at all Mm -hmm. but because we've been burned by all three shows so much in the last four months we're just like nope i i can't deal i don't have the emotional capacity to deal with a storyline no no i don't yeah that's exactly what it is that's to the but two years ago if we have the storyline it's a completely different feeling about it Mm -hmm. i'd be like oh yeah we're actually getting meaty stuff for david eigenberg like amazing like yes here for it and i still am here for it because david eigenberg is like killing it but i that would be my main focus versus now i'm just like we're going to lose Cindy. She's going to die. And I'm not okay with it. I'm not okay with it. No. And it just, it feels like it's one thing after the other, after the other. Yeah. So the minute the doctor said, we're looking at lung cancer, all I could do was just be like, really fucking really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a lot. And, and you're right. David Eigenberg is killing it, but 
I don't see I don't see David Eigenberg when I'm watching this show. I see Herman in some of the most pain he's ever been in in his life. And it, it yeah. hurts to see him anguishing like that. Yeah. And I don't think that would have been easy either. Like if this was again two seasons ago. But again, I just I feel like we look at the storyline differently if we're in say season nine. I think I think you're we've experienced right. very little pain. Right. And Casey would still be here. Uh, Casey would still be here. Yeah. We would, I mean, granted, you know, there's a lot of things we wouldn't have experienced, but we wouldn't have just lost three characters on bed. Jay would still, like, we just wouldn't have experienced so much heartbreak in the yeah. last four months that we have right now. And just, it's created so many trust issues. Like, I don't trust the fact that, like, Cindy's going to come out of this okay, because, like, I don't know if she is. Right. Which, like, dear God, like. No, I know, I'm with you. I, I can't even, I don't even know if I can go there because. Cindy, I just, I can't, I can't. I mean, if you do the math and like you think about it, they take Cindy away. Herman's going to crumble. Mm-hmm. He like, he's going to try his best to keep it together for the kids, but he's going to crumble. Yep. And then what do you do? I mean, yeah, the firehouse will rally around him, but he'll never be the same again. Mm-mm. And I'm just sitting here trying to think, or but I mean, and I know the answer is yes, but like, would they really kill Hawkins off in the beginning of the season and Cindy off in the middle of the season? Yeah, they totally would. I know. And that's what I'm like. Ugh. Given how completely violent and shocking episode three was, nothing's off the table anymore. Right. Except yet when this happens, which I hope it doesn't, but like when this happens, it's still going to be just as, like, shocking, even though we if. are expecting it to come. Yeah, if if they're going to kill her, which, like, we, we still don't know, even though, even though, you know, we're totally, like, traumatized. We just have trust issues. Oh, big trust issues. <laughs> big trust issues. Like, even though our trust is, like, completely broken, we still don't know if she's going to die or not. Yep. But, like, where would that... I, I mean, if you do the math and you, you know, and you add it up and like, what happens if she dies and you play the what if game? I mean, the only what if I see is that it leads up to Eigenberg's exit because he leaves the fire <sighs> station to, to to handle the kids. He's got five kids. Like. Yeah. I mean, two of them are basically grown, but yeah. They still live at home. True. That's the only, that's the only route I see, but I, I, you know, I could be completely wrong. I don't even want to think about it. No, it's 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 horrible times. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, they've already almost killed Chloe. They tried to kill Donna Bowden when she had Terrence, so I guess it was Cindy's turn. That's terrible. That like the wives each have to go through their own sets of trauma. They just rotate through their own sets of trauma. Oh yeah, why would we traumatize the men? Let's traumatize the women. Yeah. Yeah like oh you only are here for two seconds like yeah let's traumatize you cool what's the most amount of trauma we can inf- inflict in like the shortest amount of time mm-hmm. yeah totally oh yeah um uh, but allison g brought up like the best point right off the bat here she said why didn't they use 2.0 to remove all of cindy's cancer it is a great point and i wish i'd thought of it where the fuck was crockett yep i'm just saying Crockett would have solved this shit, okay? Crockett would have had this storyline wrapped. Yep. 
Just saying. Yep. Saying. So Allison said the storyline with Cindy and the Herman family is heartbreaking. And I think it took away any of the usual fun that we see in fire episodes. Bingo. Mm-hmm. Bingo. Um, Herman has said repeatedly throughout the series that his family would fall apart without Cindy home taking care of everything while he's gone for his shifts. We already know that he would struggle to handle things while she's going through her treatment. None of us want to see Cindy hurting, and I don't see how this moves the show forward. Yep. Makes me a little worried that their intent is to write Dave Eigenberg out of the show by having Herman decide he needs to retire and be around more for his family. So I'm not the only one. I just, I don't want to put it out in the universe. I cannot handle another Catherine break. Like, I just, I can't. No, I'm, I'm. Like, Cindy is already, like, if that is really what's happening, like, that's already going to hurt. But, and I, you know, but we don't see her all the time. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it would hurt. But, like, if we lose Dave, I can work too. I just, I can't. I will emotionally not be okay. Yep. Pain. (sighs) Pain I'm, like, already, I'm, like, I'm not even going there because I'm going to, like, cry if I, like, start thinking about it. Like, if you, you know, just like, I, we're all fire fans. I was going to say, if you like check on the fire fans in your life, but we're all fire fans. If you're listening to this podcast, then most likely you like Chicago fire. Check on your fellow Chicago fire fans because none of us are okay. No. None of us are okay. No. Mm-mm. Nope, nope, nope. You know who else is not okay? Stellaride. Fucking Stellaride, man. What the hell? I mean, hell? they're okay at the end. Yeah. But in this episode, it is not happy times for them. This was ugly. Yeah. Like, not good. Not good. Take it away. So, 81 gets called out to do a wellness check. And, of course, they don't find anyone at first. They finally find someone, like, passed out in some kind of, like, homemade fallout shelter in the backyard. So, squad gets called in. And they, of course, you know, make plans to open the door. And, like, Carver all of a sudden notices that there are some wires around the door. And, of course, then, like, combined with the ingredients they saw in the kitchen, Stella's worried about an explosion. And Severide basically dismisses her in saying, like, we don't have time to do it. Like, we have to do it their way. And so, you know, because their way is just, like, just go for the door and whatever happens, happens. Explosions be damned. So they do it their way. And... There is a flashbang when they take the door off, but, like, everyone's fine. The guy, you know, is alive, and they take him to med, and yada, yada, yada. Well, when they get back from the call, Stella does not hide her feelings. She immediately goes to Severide and confronts him, and this is what happens. Hey, you got a second? Of course. Do you want to talk about what you were seeing on that call that I wasn't? What do you mean? It was a good team effort. There's no point in post-gaming it i just feel like you steamrolled me you didn't respect my assessment of the risks or the fact that i was the first officer on the scene it was a special operations incident which is why we were called by dispatch that makes it the squad officer's call okay but you could have been wrong about the door i wasn't i wasn't and you kept pushing twice had that been any other squad lieutenant you would have done that that is not true stella you stella i'm done talking about it Oh, I do not like the way he spoke to her. No. And I guess I I don't understand. So I guess just because it was a special ops call and they get called in, that means Severide just gets to immediately take over the case. Is that how they've all gone? I think so. 
Like, because SWAT got called in rather than both of them get called out initially, because SWAT gets called in and they're, like, a special group, they get to immediately take over the case versus, like, if, say, like, all of 51 had gotten called out, it would just be whichever rig showed up on the scene first. I guess. Mm. Well, I, you know, that wasn't what bothered me. What bothered No, it wasn't me- what bothered me, but I was just, like... That was, like, obviously part of his, you know, reasoning for why he did what he did and how he acted. So I was just like, okay, I've never heard them talk about that, but okay. I'm always up to hear Kelly talk about the intricacies of the job and how the job works. It's the fact that he, like, it was his tone that made me want to punch him. Because he was talking to Stella in this tone of, like, you should know this already. Basically mansplaining to her. And I just wanted to be like, stop. Like, wanted to jump through the screen and just punch him and then and then he gives her the whole i'm done talking about this okay well she's not yeah like you said one i didn't like their tone and this i feel like is one of those scenes where if like i showed some random person on the street this scene and i was like do you think they're married i think people would be like uh no are they even have they ever even kissed like it's just like this is not how i one i've ever thought kelly Severide would talk to his wife I don't think we've ever seen him talk to a woman like that, period. Yes, exactly. Like, it was just the way he talked to her. Like, again, you could be angry about the situation and you can disagree with Stella. No one's saying that you can't do that. Like, have your own opinions. But, like, you don't have to talk to her that way. Right. Like, no one's saying you have to, like, be in agreement about everything. Like, have the fight. I don't really care. I mean, I care, but, like, I don't really care. Mm -hmm. But, like, don't talk to her that way and just like walk off while she's still trying to have a conversation with you right and then the way that she was like yeah but if you had been wrong and then he interrupts her and was like i wasn't i wasn't look i love when kelly showboats about his knowledge i love that don't to not anybody yeah anybody else but his wife if somebody from another chef is mouthing off and being stupid and you want to be like let me tell you all the ways i'm good at my job not hell yeah out this is stella you married yeah. her you don't get to she talk already to knows way. and she already knows yeah she already knows that he's great at his job but that's not the point in this moment no no and you don't get to make her feel like she's wrong to question you about a call that was the other thing too how he was like oh it was a team effort there's no need to post game why is it that you encourage gallo to post game but when your wife wants to do it you're just like no yeah yeah it was not like him yeah. So, of course, as Stellar Eye leaves shifts, things are icy. Like, the Arctic tundra icy. Yep. And everyone notices. And then, later on in Molly's, it basically turns into a truck versus squad situation all over again. Mostly because Carver's kind of egging it on. Yeah, and so is Cap. That's it's true. like Cap versus Carver. Yeah, true. And so Mal- we've got Malcher and Ritter like over, you know, at the bar, like overseeing this whole thing. And Malch is like, you know, every 11 years or so, like squad or truck have it out with each other. And he's like, you know, it's like the natural order of things. And Ritter's like, well, how does it end? And Malch is like, well, last time Casey cooked his corned beef. <laughs> but I do think it's hysterical that Malch is like every 11 years or so. 
Every 11 years, in 11 years of this show, we've had at least three, including this one that I can I think I was going to say, the last time Truck and Squad fought, I think was like season three? Yeah, see, towards the end of season three. Yeah, it was the end when of season When Rice three. comes in. Yeah. And they have that whole like multiple episode fight. I mean, Casey and Severide had some dust ups along the way, but it never involved all of Truck and Squad. I think the last time they fought was season three. Yeah, yeah, but it's just like it's funny. Well, and like if you really want to, I mean, yeah, Casey and Severide for sure. But like it's like every eleven years, it's like I can think of multiple instances within the span of eleven years, not just one instance. Yeah. So yep. I just thought that was funny, and how just like you know, Raiders like, well, how does it end? And it's like, well, Casey cooked us corned beef. <laughs> I love it. So Stella leaves Molly's because, you know, of course, she went home. She went to Molly's and he went home. And so, you know, Severide's just sitting there watching the on the game, you know, the Blackhawks game, waiting for her when she gets home and she just lets him have it. I cannot stop thinking about what you said last shift at the firehouse. Uh, come on, look. Let me finish. You were right. I acted the way that I did on the call because you are my husband. You are not any other lieutenant or firefighter, and only you know what I went through at that RPG incident and how it affected me. And that still didn't seem to matter. So I can't compartmentalize like you do. I can't act like a robot and turn off my emotions and treat you like you were anyone else because you are not anyone else to me. And if that is a problem, then maybe we shouldn't work together. Maybe we should put in for different shifts. I do think, I don't want to know, I'm curious, what do you think about, like, you know, when she says, like, I can't act like a robot, like you do, and, like, turn my emotions off, like, that whole sentence, like, what did you think about that? Was that too harsh, or did you think she was, like... No, I think it was completely fair. I think both of them, I mean, this was, this was a master class in how to miscommunicate, right? Oh, so, yeah. So, I think she didn't realize where he was coming from. And he didn't realize where she was coming from. He should have, though. He he would have picked up on it had he not, like, shut down on the call emotionally. But, yeah, neither one was seeing where the other one was coming from. And so that's why she said it. I don't think it was harsh. I think she got her point across. I don't know if I think it was harsh, but I definitely think it hit his insecurities. Maybe be more respectful to your wife. It's just, it was, as soon as she said it, I was like, damn. I didn't, I didn't think it was harsh. I was just like, no, no, go for it. Because, I mean, I, I was trying to, after the, after it happened and he was like, Stella, no, we don't have time. I was just kind of like, okay, what just happened? And like, try to kind of figure out like where they were coming from. And so it made sense to me that I was like, wait a second, Stella's probably really freaked out by explosions right now. Like really, really freaked out. And so if she can avoid the explosion she probably wants to, especially a surprise explosion where somebody's going to get injured. Yeah. And so, and Kelly was just in like, get the call over with mode. So I, I don't think she went too far. Yeah. So we're at next shift and truck and squad are still fighting over like the stupidest shit. They're oh, like. Yeah you know don't want to take this thing and then they're like oh well your poles are saying on our side of the apparatus floor and they're like their sides it's just like it's literally the stupidest shit they fight like toddlers 
It's so bad. And then Cruz is like, oh, well, that raggedy truck. And he's like, I know, I drove that truck. And I'm just like, what? Just makes no sense to me because they, they fight like toddlers and it gets ugly and they get really heated over like stupid shit like that. Yeah, well, and Bowden is pissed, obviously. <laughs> and so he calls Stellarite into his office and basically is like, figure your shit out of shift so that we can end this whole thing. The way that they looked like kids who had just gotten in trouble oh yeah and they're just like sitting there with like their hands in their laps just like yes chief mm-hmm. yes chief thanks dad yeah so they go into severide's quarters and they talk it out and this is how it goes we have to talk this out you're right let me start i'm not a robot I shouldn't have said that. So if I drop my guard and let myself worry every time you're in harm's way, I'd fall apart. If you'd see me at the RPG scene, you'd know I can unravel when it comes to you. That's never happened to you before. Really? Really. And if I let my emotions get the best of me when we're on a call together, I'm no good to anybody. Same shift or not. The reality is we are married. So we are always going to take a little bit of work home with us and a little bit of home to work. We just have to be better about keeping it between us. I was just like, why couldn't we have this conversation like, I don't know, 45 minutes earlier? Exactly. Exactly. This coming from like early season severide i would get but we're past that now severide's a grown-ass man he's a grown-ass married man he's well in touch with his emotions and he knows that he has no problem talking about his feelings well he does but like to his wife yeah i think the whole thing it's hard because like i look at the whole thing like i can kind of see why maybe he was feeling that way a little bit but it's just like when you take a step back and look at this episode as a whole, it's like, this is just clearly stellar drama for the sake of stellar drama. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, hmm, why? Why? Yep. Stellar drama for the sake of stellar drama. And then it turned into truck and versus squad. And I was not expecting that. And I don't like that. And I just, mm. nope. With you on that one. So then of course the episode kind of starts to end because Truck and squad get called out to a marina call. And of course, they work seamlessly together and it's all singing kumbaya all over again. <laughs> and yeah, it's great. And Gallo makes every- Casey's corned beef. And so everyone's happy. And then we end the episode and we get sexy stellarite time to end the episode. So, like, everybody wins. Pretty much. Yeah. 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 So. We got some listener thoughts on this. You guys had a lot to say. Um, Natasha said, I think their stuff was good because they have to show them working things out. They spend more time together than almost any couple on the planet, and they're finding a work-life balance now that they're the same rank and married. And we got that last scene, so all good. And she said, and you know who was really interesting? Carver. I do not think there's anything romantic or sexual in his behavior. He's someone who felt he could rely on only himself. And now he has his boss who knows he will put, 
who he knows will put herself out for him. I think if this truck squad squabble had happened before the RPG, Carver would have just sipped his beer and might not have agreed with him, but he wouldn't have said anything. Now, oh, he's Lieutenant Kid, Team Lieutenant Kid. Mm-hmm. Which I do think is an interesting point. I think if this happens like three episodes ago, I do think Carver is not as like heavily involved in it. True. That's fair. It'd be like Gallo and Mouch. Yeah. Yep. Or maybe it wouldn't have even happened at all because yeah. Carver wouldn't have been egging it on. But it's a good point. It's an interesting point. Yeah. Allison G said, Chenford essentially had the same storyline as Stellaride this week about how their relationship affects their professional interaction. But the rookie did it way better and with a lot less needless angst. I appreciated when Kelly and Stella finally did have a conversation, but Severide's initial reaction to declare they were done talking about it and go take his frustration out on squad gave me flashbacks to season one, Kelly. He's grown way too much to behave like that. Yep. The thing that I think, uh, have you watched this week's rookie yet? No, I see. I I've, I see all the Chenford clips. Okay. So like the thing about this though, is that like with the Chenford stuff, it made sense, right? Because they're still slowly starting to get together and you know figure out like how to navigate for the first time within the workplace so it made sense for that storyline but like Stellarite has been together now for like I don't know five or six seasons you know they just got married like this isn't new for them like it made sense for Chimford because they're starting out their relationship journey but like with Stellarite they've been together for a long time so Mm -hmm. I don't know so Christine said, can we just make this the model for how to do a Stellaride conflict storyline from now on, please? As much as I would love for everything to be all sunshine and roses for these two all the time, that doesn't make the best TV. So if we have to have the angst between them, the way they did it this week was perfect, in my opinion. First of all, not only was this a believable conflict for the characters, but also very realistic. Of course, a married couple working in the same firehouse is going to face an issue like this. I think what made me love it the most was that it was rooted in how much they care and love care about and love each other rather than them being mad at each other doubting each other or the relationship or one of them screwing up and hurting the other we get to see them gradually work through it and actually communicate even if it takes a while and a certain lecture from papa Bowden and they get there then we get a heartfelt mini speech from kelly in his office about how he would just unravel if he let himself give into his feelings about stella onto a call it was a nice touch having Casey's corned beef put the final mend on the conflict, both between Stellarite and Truck versus Squad, because we all know Casey was the top Stellarite shipper at 51, <laughs> after all. And then, of course, we get the cherry on top, the lucky co- turnout coat scene at the end. Most appreciated was the fact that it was all wrapped up and resolved in one episode instead of over the course of 16 cliffhangers. This <laughs> is how you do Stellarite conflict. That's funny. There was a lot of Casey sprinkled throughout this episode. That was yeah. nice. It was really nice. Yeah. It felt yeah, very was- organic too, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it's interesting. Like, I do agree with some of it that like, first of all, I do agree that like, it should only be wrapped up in one episode. I'm glad this wasn't like a two or three episode arc. Cause like, I could not have handled that. No. Um, I do think, I mean, I think there is like, it was nice. Like I did like Kelly's heartfelt speech at the, you know, like in the office, like I did, you know, Anytime sever, I'd get emotional. Like, I like seeing that. I just, I guess I'm just still stuck on the fact that, like, I know that everything can't be all sunshine and roses all the time because it's TV. And like she said, it doesn't make for the best TV. But I'm just, like, I'm just kind of over the manufactured drama for the manufactured drama. But I have to keep reminding myself that I'm, like, it is TV. And this is a 
um procedural like there is going to be some element of like drama for the sake of drama yeah that it's just it's just what we're watching and I try to keep that in my head and I'm like not trying to judge it too harshly so like yeah if we have to have it then this is a great like I'm happy with this you know if we have to have stellar eye drama but like I don't want stellar eye drama right right I get it I get it so Jess B said, truck versus squad storylines always drive me crazy and not in a good way. I get that they do extra training. I get Severide was probably technically in charge of the scene, but I can't stand the squad superiority. That shit literally got old in the pilot. It doesn't help that I actually think Stella was in the right on the call. She'd been in the house. She'd seen the incendiary stuff. There were freaking wires attached to that door and there was a safer way to get in. And Severide's only response was, no, it doesn't make sense that he would blow himself up. Yeah, because doomsday preppers always make total sense, Kelly. Insert eye roll here. <laughs> As a fellow lieutenant, I think Stella was well within her rights to voice her objections, considering it was her ass that was going to get blown up if things went bad. And then the way he shut her down when she tried to talk about it at the firehouse. I wanted to smack that man. Get in line. <laughs> I'm glad it ended fairly quickly and fairly amicably because I could not handle the storyline going any longer than it did. And I did appreciate the Casey mention. Also because whenever the corned beef comes up on the show and it always prompts a discussion, I'm a corned beef fan and those who don't like it are simply wrong. <laughs> mm. Yeah. No, she's right. Um, Heather B said, Stella in this episode is a good example of how PTSD doesn't always allow a person to react rationally. Hey, maybe that's how it's happening on PD. More on about that in a second. However, this felt like celery drama for the sake of celery drama. I did love all the callbacks to season one and Ritter and Gallo taking charge to bury the hatchet between squad and truck as the next generation. I do love how it's always Ritter and Gallo who go so far out of their way to make, like, sure, make sure everybody patches it up. Well, and you know what? It's funny, though. It's always Ritter who prompts Gallo to be like, hey, let's yeah. do this. Like, it's always Ritter's idea. And then mm -hmm. he gets Gallo involved. But yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah. Lizzie K said the Stellaride fight. It was actually so realistic and really well done. This is an important problem that they will have as long as they work together and they actually handled it well. It's not perfect, but you know, they'll keep talking and make it work. That's a fair point. I mean, married couples fight. Yeah, it, it it is. And again, it's just, I think what we're just, keep, well, A, first of all, Severed's tone, the way he talked to Sola is just inexcusable. Mm -hmm. And I think if they were just fighting for the sake of fighting, then we may feel differently about it too. But like his tone was just, I can't with his tone. It was, yeah, it was too much. And I mean, it had all of us at the end of the first act being like, why is Kelly being such a dick? Yeah. Didn't make sense. But I'm, I'm just glad it's over with, though. Yep. I did not need a whole arc of this. No. Nope. Any other notes on fire? No. Do we have to? I know. I'm like, uh, do, do we, we have, have to? to? Okay. Just, like, deep breath. Stretch it out. Okay. Just going to... Okay, it's PD time. Mm-hmm. I hated this episode. Well, like I was saying earlier, I this episode gave me the creeps. Not gonna lie. Sean O'Neill gives me the creeps. But I didn't hate it until the end. Like, I thought it was, like, okay. And then the end happened, and I was like, huh, why? I've said it before on the pod. 
But the Haley episodes that they have given us this season, they are heavy. They're heavy. They're weighted down. She's always so she's always in so much pain that by the end of the episode, I feel emotionally drained. I don't like the way I feel after a Haley episode because my empath energy like goes haywire. And so I feel horrible for her. And so I don't like her. I don't like watching her get her heart broken every single week. Yeah. Well, and especially this season, I feel like obviously because of the storyline they've given Haley with all the Sean O'Neill stuff, like anything with just Sean O'Neill is like creepy and traumatic in a certain ways. And I just, I don't like Jefferson White kills it. And yeah. that's what makes it hard. Cause like I'm sitting here and I'm like, like literally I was watching some of his stuff. Like when he's uh, talking about the girl, which we'll get to in a second, I was literally getting chills because of how creepy it was. Mm-hmm. And I mean, again, kudos to Jefferson because he's killing it. But it just, again, adds to the heaviness of these episodes because you've got, like you said, the, you're feeling the empathy towards Haley, but you're also being so disturbed by Sean O'Neill and what he's going on. And even though he's not really doing much, just in the way he's talking about things, it's just, it really is disturbing. And I just, the two, the combination of the two is just, ooh. Okay, so... So we start the episode and they just decide to smack us in the face right off the bat. So like we see the empty bed, we see her nightstand with pictures of her and Jay, Jay's old like army ranger mug. There is even a picture of her and Rojas if you look closely enough. Yep. I was like, okay. I mean, good to know that they're still friends, but like also then where the hell is Rojas? But why are we also, why, why is her, like, why is her nightstand or like whatever she's got those pictures on? Why is it now a shrine of everybody she's lost? Yeah, it's a great point. Like, it's one thing for it to be, like, it's one thing when that happened to Voight when Al died. That's one yeah. thing. His decisions got him there. But to see it for Haley, like. And it's almost simultaneously even worse because like neither of them are dead. No. Right, like, it's one thing if you're having a shrine to someone who's passed away, you know, as, like, memories, but, like, both Jay and Rojas, as far as we know, are still alive. Yep. So it makes it almost even worse. Yep. And she's trying to call Jay, and that jerk is not answering the phone. More about oh, that Oh, my later, God. I, I can't. More about that later. Uh, So anytime her phone rings, she's, like, she wakes up out of a dead sleep, and she's just like, oh, my God, is it Jay? It's not. It's the county jail. So she's not answering. She's doing her thing. She gets to the station one day and Platt is like, dude, Sean O'Neill called me at home asking to talk to you. Fix this. This is so fucking creepy. I have an issue with this. This entire episode, Sean is displaying like really alarming behavior. And he's like crossing boundaries left, right, and sideways. And instead of people saying, we're going to stop this, we're going to like put a squash. They encourage it. They encourage it, and they're like, Haley, go fix this. Yeah, I honestly don't know, like, when we last had, you know, saw Sean O'Neill, obviously, and he was, like, half dead, basically, and his father was dead, and, like, they were, like, lying there on the floor. I don't know where I thought the storyline was going, but this was not it. We saw him three episodes ago. This is not, like, it's not like he went away forever. Like, he... He was barely gone. He like ran to the store and came back. Yeah. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot. And so Haley doesn't want to go to the jail, but like 
she does because everybody and their dog is like go fix this for us makes no sense so she goes to see sean to figure out what the hell he wants and he's like like it or not Haley, like you're tied to me okay creeper okay i have a because it obviously comes back up like later at the end too mm-hmm. but i'm really curious do you think that to him to sean is Haley just a game or do you think in some weird creepy way he has started because and especially because like she saved his life like there's some of that like oh i like you because you know you like you said you saved me you know whatever or is he just like using her as a game to him because now he's bored because he's in jail that's a good question i think it's i think it's a mix of two things i think getting i think almost dying kind of made him realize like i've done some really bad things and so now he wants to atone for it but at the end of the day he still has a criminal's mind and so Mm -hmm. it's it's even though he may want to atone but it's going to come across in the form of like obsession the way it is with Haley. fair so i think part of him may want to atone i think i think he also probably wants to give his life some meaning now that he's in jail for presumably the rest of it yeah it's just really interesting because like of all the like if you had asked me like before sean got you know shot like you know was shot i would have said there's no way that sean would ever hit that point that like he was so far gone Mm -hmm. that i could never see him even feeling remotely remorseful for what he did and it's just interesting that now like him getting shot and like almost losing his life and like Haley saving it even though she but didn't she want didn't. to boy yeah right and, and that she didn't want to she was the one that said no leave him dead mm-hmm. that you know now he's somewhat a uh, changed supposedly supposed to be some sort of changed man I, I think it can be a mix of both like yeah i think he he probably wants to atone but it could also be that he just wants to play a game with her because something i noticed in this episode is that the way that he was interacting with her and even before he went to jail he kind of doesn't know how to act with women other than to prey on them. Yeah. And so he was preying on her the same way he was with all of the girls he was trafficking. Yeah. I think, I definitely think it's it's part of a game. I, I do think that. I don't think he's like completely innocent, obviously. Mm-hmm. But part of me is also wondering is that like in some weird fucked up way is it like a survivor's crush, like, you know, like a crush, like a crush type thing, like almost. Like when like, when you start to develop feelings for the person who rescued you? Yeah, I forget yeah. what that's called. I, yeah, me too. But I know exactly I'm, what you're referring other to. Other than like, a, yeah. Like, I kind of feel like this feels like more like he's into her in some weird way. But like, I guess because she saved his life. Like, I don't know. Because I didn't get that vibe before he got shot. I felt like anytime that Haley and Sean interacted before he got shot, it was like just a game. And that he was obviously trying to like cover him, you know, save his ass. That's that's interesting that that's interesting you saw it that way. I never caught a romantic vibe. I think it's that I think it's that the the only way he knows how to interact with women is to get inside their heads and then continue to play. And so I think that's what he's doing is that he knows he's in her head. And so now he's just continuing. And I think most of it is a game. Like, I do think most of it is that. But I, it wouldn't surprise me if, like, 
part of the reason too he's like oh well you know keep coming back to see me like you have to come see me you know whatever is like also because he's like i don't know into her like crush is the right word but you know what i'm saying like there's something else more something more there that wasn't there before he got saved yeah yeah so Sean is like, people tell me things like there's this woman who's missing right now. She got taken. Her name's Samantha Beck. And Haley's like, the, the fuck, dude? Like, what are you doing? Um, so Haley leaves the jail and she like, of course, has to start looking into it. She's just like satisfied. Because she's her name is Haley Upton. Because her name is Haley Upton. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she's like, oh, fine. I'm just going to like. I'm just going to investigate this. So she rolls up to the address and she finds a little boy like scared for his life. He's like sitting in this like box in the living room. It's like a, it's like a, a box, it, not like a box box, but it's like a square. Um, mm-hmm. And so his mom got kidnapped and they told him that if he moved, then the house would explode. And that's our teaser right there is that the kid is in the box and he's like, don't move. Don't come any closer. Well, everyone else shows up on scene and they're like, yeah, Haley's still inside. Like, she won't leave this kid. Uh, but the whole thing is fake. Like, so uh, she's still talking to the kid. Voight comes in. And we just, I'm just going to point out that we spent the whole first act coaxing a kid to step out of a box. You know, it's funny. Until I saw your comment about it, I didn't realize how long it was. But it's like literally like a whole, the whole first act that's lazy writing and it's just like pointless it literally if you had told me that like at the end of the episode it was like everything was building up to this moment and you know okay fine i could maybe believe it taking longer than two seconds but like this is literally has nothing to do with anything right and it 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 doesn't further the avoid telling this kid over and over it's not real you're safe come out of the box does not further the story at all yeah it's redundant yeah and there have been like five minute long scenes in chicago pd history the the one with lou and kevin last week was five minutes and there have been like amazing five minute long scenes that we've seen in the past this was just we did not need this just dragged yeah i agree that's 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 lazy it just it's lazy i mean i feel like i can say that but this kid callum they bring him into the district and they question him about what he knows and so he gives a description of like what he saw of the guys that took her and everything and then he just asks he's like are you gonna find her and so void is like Haley, what the hell does sean have to do with this and she's just like i don't think he's involved i think he's just baiting me but like there is a case here so yeah i don't really know i don't really know i also don't like that anytime Haley needs backup now it's always void who shows up i don't like it i don't like it at all yeah it's a weird it's not a healthy dynamic it's not a healthy relationship yeah it's not and so um they don't have any leads on this case so Haley goes back to sean for more information and he's like well what else could you possibly take from me like you can't hurt me more than i already am like that's you know why wouldn't you take this info from me and so Haley's like you're gonna give me a name and he's like i will if you come back to see me once a week mm-hmm. what um and then he's like i'll help you and that'll help me and that'll make this life that you saved for me worth something it'll make my dad's life worth something and we'll make the world a better place starting with samantha i believe none of this none of it he's a psychopath like yeah this is where i was like that's him trying to play a game 
obviously. Yeah. So she plays him right back. And so we don't hear her answer, but she comes back to intelligence with a name. And so- So we're assuming she says yes, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this guy's another inmate in protective custody. So they start running down anyone that would have called or visited him while he was there because he learned about the case while being in there. Meanwhile, we meet this girl's dad. And this is going to spawn off a whole other, like, story for the back half, which, like... Again, don't care. Don't care. We're doing the same thing with Haley every couple episodes. It's cut, copy, paste. Yep. This time we've just replaced the creepy guy with the creepy family. Mm-hmm. It's frustrating. So the dad comes to the district. They question whether he knows this Parker guy. He doesn't. And he's like, oh, I, you know, Samantha keeps a really like boring, small life. Like there's no way she knows him either. So Haley and Voight go see the county director. She mentions Sean talks about Haley. She mentions that Sean talks about Haley in front of Haley and in front of Voight. And what is Voight? so creepy. It's so creepy. Well, just even the fact that like Sean is talking about her enough that like the director's like, yeah, he talks about you. And, like, she even says, she's like, you know, the man's abused two dozen underage girls, and I spend my day trying to keep him safe, and now I get to give him the greatest gift he would ask for, you. Like, how creepy is that? I get to give him the greatest gift he would ask for. Just something about that phrasing is, like, chill-inducing. I can't stand it. And she said it in front of her and in front of her boss, and what do we cut to in the next scene? She's wiring him up alone. Yeah, that was fucking creepy two the amount of shit that this poor woman has to go through on a weekly basis yeah it's ridiculous well and something about so that wait like you said the next scene is like you know them wiring sean up and like something about them doing that like obviously he has to be shirtless because they have to put the wire mic like you know under his shirt so Mm -hmm. something about having that conversation while Haley's like have you been talking about me to parker or whatever like and something about that whole dynamic that like he's shirtless while she's asking about like oh do you talk about me like i don't know something about that just gave me the creeps like i was like this is so i'm so uncomfortable right now i cannot imagine hate being Haley. And thank God for Adam Ruzik, because, like, he shows he, up pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah, when he's like, are you okay? And she's like, yeah, yeah, we're fine. At least somebody's looking out for her. Nobody else is doing it. Yeah, at least somebody asked. I was like, Jesus. But I was, like, literally the whole time, and I was like, this is so creepy. I was like, why are we doing this? I was like, I do not want to be here right now. This is so weird. So uncomfortable. And, like, but who had the bright idea to leave them alone? He could have, like, done something crazy. That's what I'm saying. Something about the, and like, just isn't like, I get you have to be shirtless to wire the mic. I got it. I'm I'm not disputing that fact, but like, I don't know. It just gave me the creepy vibes. Is Haley tough as nails? Yes. Can she handle her own? Yes. But just because she can doesn't mean she she should. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Help the girl out. Like, I, I don't know. I'm so frustrated with what they are doing to poor Haley. Mm-hmm. It's insane. And so he's like, yeah, I'm not talking about, you know, and then he promises to get Haley everything she's asking for. And so uh, they start watching Sean on the camera. He mentions to Parker that he wants to take him up on his deal to you know, give something, get something. Haley's like, the fuck is he talking about? And then it basically just turns into a creepy psycho killer conversation. Yeah, basically. It gets real creepy. And so, yeah, he, he gives, he gives up, he gives up the information and 
basically he starts to um he starts talking to this parker guy about like torturing girls and they start to get like pretty in detail on it and the minute they start digging into detail Haley is like we should not be doing this like we need to pull the plug on this and kim of all people is like he can't hurt her anymore i was like what the fuck so what i know i was like i literally could not believe that word those words came out of kim's mouth i know i was just like i get it he's i mean he yes true true but like doesn't mean you have to encourage his behavior either nobody has been traumatized more on this show than you two burgess and upton yeah like yeah it's frustrating it's really really frustrating Mm -hmm. so parker tells him the plan as he knows it you know kidnap her make a video send it to her dad make him pay that simple but Haley and Void are like wait a second like there was a ransom issued and the dad didn't say anything yeah so shit's just getting weird so yeah the dad comes clean he's like they want a million dollars but I don't even have a quarter of that and so he's like I don't really know any more than that I don't know why they would ask for a million dollars he's just like super quiet about it so they roll to a and they ID a possible location from like the proof of life video that they send. Also, like shout out to Adam for being like, oh, that oven behind her is this, this, and this. And that means it's located here. Yeah. Nicely done, Adam. Nicely done. Uh yeah, they roll up on the factory, they find the abandoned sign, but they don't find her. So of course. Of course. Of course. And by this point, it's like at the half hour. So even when they rolled up to the factory, I was like, no, nah, it's only half fast. They're not gonna find her yet. It's too early. Yeah. Yeah. So they get a partial picture of a potential escape video from the neighbors. And so the van has a company logo on it, which is great. The company's defunct. The owner's deceased. He has a stepson, which a bunch of priors, just great, wonderful stand-up people here. Yeah, it's great. Um, Brennan, take it from here. So, yeah. So they, they basically, I end up getting the offenders, but of course they can't find the connection to the Bex. So they're like, what the fuck? Like, what do these guys want with the Bex? And of course the da- dad still is denying that like him or Samantha like have a connection to those guys. He's like, I literally don't know what you're talking about, who those guys are. So basically they're in the baby. They're, they are able to end up pinging the new location of where they think these guys are. Thanks to some WhatsApp messages. And basically, so they roll up on the scene. Kim shoots one of the offenders, you know, yada, yada, yada. Haley and Voight chase the other one in the van because the other guy has Samantha. And so they do this epic car chase scene. And the van ends up going, hits another car and goes flying in the air and tumbling over. And so it lands. And as Haley and Voight go to approach it, they hear the gunshots go off and it's Samantha shooting the other offender. And she just keeps repeating, you know, that she had to, that he wasn't going to pay for her, that, you know, Bex defend themselves, you know, yada, 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 yada. So at med, they question Samantha and she's like, you know, I don't know the men who took me. And she's like, you know, and so they just keep asking her questions and she's like, well, why does that matter? They're both dead. And so then, you know, Haley and Boyd ask her about the comments she made about her dad. And she's like, she refuses to give anything up on him. And so Haley and Boyd leave the hospital and she asks him, she's like, should we keep an eye on the dad? And Boyd's like, damn right. So I guess, like we said earlier, I guess this family is now like going to be seen again. I guess so. 
I don't care. How much like were- like literally if you were gonna give us a case that continued for more than one episode, like why this one? Right. And I mean, you've already unveiled like the worst of what a person could do when you found out that Sean O'Neill was like sex trafficking young girls. What crime could possibly top that in the back half of the season? Yeah. Unless they're like nuclear weapons dealers or some shit. Right. Uh, yeah. So Haley goes home and she tries to call Jay again. She doesn't get him. And so she finally decides that she's going to call for Belvoir. And she finds out probably the worst news she could that Jay extended his tour and it wasn't, it was his choice to extend it. It wasn't like he was forced into extending it. Okay. We got to talk about this. Uh, yeah. This is ridiculous. And that's an understatement. Okay. It's, yeah. It's like, it is the most disrespectful way you could have possibly written off this character. Oh, yeah. Like, at this point, it was one thing for him to just up and leave, but now it's spiteful, okay? You've completely ruined the memory of Jay Halstead, right? You took this character from what he was, and you're trying to tell us now that he was never the person we thought he was. Yeah. And that he just up and left his wife and just left her, and now he's extended his tour without even having the decency to contact her about it. Yep. This is disre- It's disrespectful towards Jay, and it's disrespectful towards Jesse. Yep. And I just don't want to know why. Like, we've had so many character exits. And, like, yeah, there have been some really bad ones. I mean, Antonio. Like, there's been some really bad character exits that we've seen on this show. Mm-hmm. But none of them have been just, like, okay, the character leaves and then we're going to continue to drag them through the mud. Like, yeah. yeah, they may not have been handled that great. But, like, no one has been dragged through the mud the way this is. And I've seen a lot of people try to compare, obviously, what's happening with Jay and Haley to, like, when Casey and Gabby, you know, left or whatever, you know, got divorced. But, like, in no way can that be compared because at least, yes, Gabby and Casey did not end that great. And I know people would have wanted them to stay together. Like, I got all that. But, like, at least when Gabby left, they were still communicating and she had the decency to come back and break up with Casey in person. And they didn't twist the knife. Like, they got divorced and that was it. it was, like, the one episode, it. and that was it. Yeah, it was, like, the premiere episode, and that was it. And, like, yeah, of course, would people like them to be together? I get it. But, like, it ended as amicably as that could have ended. A divorce could have ended. Like, this one, I don't want to speak for the entire One Chicago fandom, but, like, I, I'm sure there's, I'm not the only one out there that thinks this way. But, like, at this point, I would have rather than just have gotten divorced. I and like ended and like Jay got to run off in the sunset and like been in Bolivia and like been by himself in Bolivia. I would have much rather have had that because this just feels like you said a slap in the face to Jay, a slap in the face to Jesse, a slap in the face to Upset, a slap in the face to Shyhards. Like it just feels like a slap in the face to everyone. And like for what purposes? Like why? Like what is the point of just dragging Jay through the mud? If you were going to make his legacy on the show that of him being an asshole, I would have much rather you killed him. Yeah. I would have much rather them killed him. And we had two deaths in one night in episode three. And yeah, that that would have sucked. But like... It would have sucked. But our memory of Jay would have been a good one. 
And I guess the thing that I keep coming back to is like, what, like, what is the point? Like, and like, yeah, okay. So they, they chose not to kill Jay, right? And they chose not to have the Upstead get divorced at this point. Mm-hmm. But like, why? Like, are they just doing this and like to hold out hope that he may come back? Like, it, like that Jesse may come back to the show one day? Like, is that why they're doing this? Why would Jesse come back when they're treating Jay the way they are? That's what I don't understand. It's like, Jesse is just like, and the thing is, is like, we all know we're not stupid. Jesse's been on set this entire time, if not this entire time, most of the time, mm-hmm. like working behind the scenes, learning whatever he's doing, obviously getting ready to prepare to direct an episode coming up here soon. But like, so he, it's not like Jesse isn't like watching the show or like watching them film these scenes and like filming them having, like he knows what's happening. He knows what they're doing to Jay. So like, I just don't, but I don't understand why. Like, why leave it so, like, why have Jay so much in the conversation if you're not hoping that maybe he'll come back one day? Right. Because even, I then was thinking about, like, when Casey left and he and Brett were still in the relationship and it was like, they kept bringing Casey up and they kept bringing Casey up. And like, yeah, was that perfect? No, because Brett and Casey were having a long distance relationship. But at least when, like, Brett would call him it would be like oh I missed him and then but like we would hear her then listening to the voicemail from Casey back so like yeah they kept missing each other because of schedules but it wasn't like we were dragging Casey through the mud and like things weren't perfect between them like it wasn't ideal but it wasn't terrible either Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. this it just I just I just don't know why like why are we doing this if there's not some reason that you're leaving the door just that open well, and, but the the thing is, okay, okay, that's great that you want to leave the door open, but why You could have left you... the door open in a bunch of other ways, too, that oh, aren't this. So many other ways. But also, why are you shitting on this character now? Because if he ever comes back, we're going to hate him. Yeah. Like, why? It just makes no sense. And then uh, <laughs> there was a lot of chatter about, like, do you remember at the very end of West Wing when um, basically Toby got, like, thrown a bone at the end he like he did something shitty and then the president pardoned him at the end and then Richard Schiff explained it on the West Wing Weekly by saying like he had had some issues with the writers and they just kind of did it to spite him yeah that is what this feels like that is what this feels like so then when when Jesse left you've got that quote from Nick where he's like this is the nature of the business well you know what else is the nature of every single other business a degree of professionalism yeah so writing these circumstances for this character out of pure spite which is sure as hell what it feels like is not professional. Yeah. The thing that I've kept thinking about today as I was working and I was just like raging about this is, you know, obviously I know, you know, because you watch the show elite. Yes. With how like terribly I thought season four was handled and how I felt like everything they did, like they took my favorite show and made it into like one of my least favorite shows by like, how dirty they did Guzman. And obviously, I don't know if anything happened behind the scenes on that. I'm not tied into, like, the world of, like, Spanish television to know if anything happened (laughs) behind the scenes. But, like, I just kept thinking of those, like, I've never had an instance where they took a character I loved so much and was literally, like, my favorite part of that show. And, like, I, I, I just, I've never had an instance feel like that. Like, when Elite happened, I was like, I wish he had just not come back for season four. Like, they did him so dirty and they ruined so much of, like, character development and character growth that I was like, I was like, Miguel should have just stayed home. 
Like, I wish he had not done season four. Like, to me, that show ends with season three. Not saying I won't go back and watch for the new characters because I've heard it gets better after season four. But, like, still, like, but, like, that's kind of what I kept comparing this to. I was like, they took a character that used to be the reason I love this show so much and used to be the reason I watch this show every week. And, like, just, like, did him dirty. And, like, I don't know what the reason. Like, I honestly wish... And this is going to sound terrible, but, like, I wish he they had just, like, he had just, like, not come back at all this season. And that, like, they came up with some other... And granted, it would have been bullshit anyway, because they would have had to find a way to, like, explain where he went. Mm-hmm. But, like, even then, I feel like they could have come up with a better way to do that than this. I, I almost would have rather they had, like, Rojas him and just, like, made him disappear. Ne- and, like, never talked about it. It's, I mean, it's better, it's better than the current circumstances, because I feel like, it's almost like we got catfished, and the Jay that we knew for 10 whole seasons was not the Jay he actually was. That's what I'm saying, it's like they literally undid everything they've done over the last nine seasons up until this point, and for what, like, that's what I'm saying, it's like, I really would have wished he would have not been in season 10. Yep. Because, like, the three episodes they gave of us, and, like, all the mentions in Sin have been shitty. And yeah. like I said, it just, it's it's the only time I felt anything close to what I felt during the elite situation. I was like, I just would have rather not have had Guzman in that season. Like I would have much rather not have had Jay in this season. And it's like, I want to like block out season 10. Like I'm like, nope, Jay Halstead ended in like the season nine, so, like early season nine for me. It, I mean, literally every, every upset scene we've ever had is now a lie yeah a complete lie none of it's true and this it this just it feels spiteful yeah like if you have nothing nice to say about the character don't say anything yeah when we haven't talked about this yet either but like the people on the internet keep bringing up the point obviously that like jay literally had the same thing done to him when aaron left but and you know who was there for him Haley you know like I mean like there's all these things and like he just literally went and did the same thing except it's almost 10 times and it's not almost it is 20 times worse because when Aaron left Jay they were just in a relationship Jay just left his fucking wife yeah like yeah and that asshole had the audacity to ask her to wait for him and then he extends his tour without talking to her yeah that's another thing too is like if you're trying to create the drama or whatever like you could have even done it by like and i'm not saying this would have made it that much better but like at least see Haley. you know Haley's trying to contact jay oh he misses him and like you could have at least had it even like jay leaving her voicemail on her phone being like you know like she didn't have to hear it from the major like i'm again it's not making it any better but like it's not as bad you could have done something. Could have done something. Why? Like, why? Why is Jesse ever going to want to come back to the show when you've taken his character and ruined him so badly? I, I listen. I don't know if he would want to do this because I feel like if he ever did like a tell-all, and then he cannot come. He's not going to come back to like any Wolf Entertainment show. So I don't think he wants to burn that bridge. But like, damn. 
I I would really love to like hear what he actually has to say. But that's the other thing too is that you Jesse's on set right now. I mean, that's what Luke, I'm saying. Yeah, he's and he's been on set most of the time. Like you said, he's been maintaining a degree of professionalism throughout this whole thing. Yeah, this whole entire thing. And you're gonna tell me like he's being the bigger man about this, and in the writers' room they're just like, oh, okay, well, fuck you, like. For what? Like at this point, if I were in Jesse's shoes, I'd be like, I I've had enough of this. Like I clearly see what you think of me and what you think of all the stuff I've done for this last nine seasons, and like I would have peaced out. And it's, I guess that says more about Jesse being a bigger person than me, but like still, yeah, it's just it's really it's really really frustrating, like really it would be frustrating even if it was the character we only knew and kind of liked for one season let alone a character who was literally the heart of the show i just heart of the show hank void is not the heart of pd no he is not the heart of the show no it was jay halstead it was jay jay was the heart of the show yeah it's just it's really frustrating it's 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 infuriating yeah and and, and I tweeted at the end of the show last night. I was like, look, like this show, it's really sad what they've done to Jay, but it feels like they're determined to drag Haley down with him. And for what? Exactly. Like, if you keep dragging Haley down, I mean, soon enough, you're going to have not, I mean, you're going to have Void and then like everyone else, but like, like, for what? I am begging the PD writer's room and Gwen and the powers that be, I am begging you to do something different with Haley. Yeah. Like, surely this woman's entire existence does not revolve around being a cop and trying to rid the world of every wrong. Yeah. Like, Tracy deserves better than that. Mm-hmm. Tracy doesn't deserve to be dragged down because Jesse left. Nope. It's it's an it's it's really, really infuriating. Like, words cannot accurately describe. Yeah. But also, with that said, I now, I I want Haley to, like, take that ring, like, take that ring and put it in an envelope along with the divorce papers. Boy, bye. Yeah, boy, bye. Ship that to Bolivia. Do not even give him the decency of letting him know it's coming. Ambush him with that shit. Yep. Boy, bye. That's, that's. Okay. I have a question and I don't know. I really don't know what you're going to. I think I have any. No, I, I think I know what you're going to say, though. If, 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 if they were to have Jesse come. Like, if they were like, you know what? We fucked up. Like, Jesse's co- like Jesse's coming back on the show. And, like, so they find a way to get Jay back from Bolivia and yada, yada, yada. If they ever tried to. You know, as they're working on, then they have to redeem Jay at some point. I don't even know if that would be possible. But, like, is there ever a hope where, like, upset, like, if that were to ever happen, could you, like, ship upset again? No. No way. No, I don't think I could either. There's no way. And that really sucks. That really sucks. It did not have to be this way. It did not have to be this way. Jesse could have left on completely amicable terms. They could have left it at that. And Jay's memory could have been intact. And instead, they and the have thing decided is, to do Jay this. still could have gone to Bolivia. No one's saying Jay couldn't have gone to Bolivia. Again, would have been weird, but like, 
no one's saying Jay couldn't have gone to Bolivia. It's the way he handled leaving for Bolivia that we don't like. Right. No one has a problem with Jay actually being in Bolivia. No, I mean, I do, but like. But you know, I mean, like at the end of the day, if Jay said like Jay and Haley had a discussion and Jay decided I'm going to Bolivia and Haley was okay with it, we'd all be fine. I mean, we still would be upset, but like not nearly to this extreme. Like Jay could still then one day come back from Bolivia and be like, okay, yeah, Jay's back. Like, it's fine. They decided on, they're, they're fine. There, no, there's like, could they redeem him? Maybe. It would take a lot. It would be a Ben and, and that Maggie really situation. Sucks. Like the fact that I just said that, like, yeah, maybe they could redeem Jay, but it would take a lot. Like that really sucks because, like, characters on television do a lot of shitty things, and in a lot of instances, they're able to come back from that, depending on what it is, of course, and what show we're talking about or whatever. But mm-hmm. like, the fact that I'm saying that about Jay Halstead, like, just really bothers me it hurts a lot really hurts it really hurts because this character we thought we were new for a decade is the complete opposite person yeah it's like so did we actually really know him at all did we know him at all did his own brother know him at all i don't know but i honestly you know and i'm like i just keep comparing this and some i try to keep comparing it and just for like enabled to like so i'm able to grasp it like i kind of compare it to like alex karev too like when that left because it was like alex karev was his character i loved for so long and then all of a sudden he just up and left for whatever nobody still knows why justin chambers left the show mm-hmm. but he left and it was like they just wrote him off they had to get justin off of there so they just wrote him in this like the worst character exit one of the worst character what i thought was the worst character exit up until this point and it was like it makes no sense you took this character alex karev that i love so so much Mm -hmm. and like i don't know what you did to him because the alex karev i thought i knew for however many seasons it was while he was still on the show i don't remember at this point like you just took him and destroyed him in like one move yeah and i like never thought i would experience that again until now but here we are I, I can't I can't remember ever being this upset by a character exit. Not just one Chicago and like all of TV. Like all the TV. And I it's watched. not just like, oh man, they killed off this character that I really loved. Because that happens all like, the And that happens that happens all the time. And yeah, that's annoying. But like that's not the same thing as like ruining a character like ruining a character that you love by like re- undoing their character. That's just right. killing off a character. Like, killing off a character is a different circumstance, in my opinion. Which, like, and, and think of the way George O'Malley went out, right? Like, if I would much rather them have gone that route if I knew that they were going to destroy his me- his memory instead. Like, think of the way George went out, where, like, you're like, damn, that is violent, it's horrible, it's sad. Evan, Evan, think of the way Evan went out. It's violent, it's shocking, it's sad, it's traumatic, it's horrible, but, but. It's heroic. It's heroic. He went out fighting. He did a good thing. Like, yep. and the memory we have of him is him, uh, uh, you know, he's a hero. Yep. Instead yep. of us, like, watching PD this week and being like, Jay Halstead's a fucking asshole. Yeah. Yeah. Sucks. It, it really, really sucks. really sucks. And it just feels like, like you said, it's a slap in the face to Shyards too. Yeah. It's not okay. And you know what? I I really am curious. And this is where, like, 
I kind of hate that we're so in the Twitter hole, like the Twitter fandom hole, mm-hmm. because I would love to talk to someone who's just like a casual, I just watch PD every week viewer. Mm-hmm. I would love to know what someone who is like, I just watch PD casually thinks because like, I don't know, like, are they upset about it? Probably not because Jay doesn't mean as much to them as he means to all of us which and is that's what, why and that's, what, and, that's yeah. and that's why they're able to get a get away, away with, it. with it because and like pd's rankings our viewership hasn't re- i mean it's tanked a little bit but like they've all tanked and i think just cable viewership in general has tanked mm-hmm. but like you know they it's why they're able to like get away with it yeah yeah like and, and and you'll hear this from a lot of people, but Dick Wolf has the belief that the brand is bigger than any one character. I don't agree with that. I don't. No, because the characters are what people gets people to stick around for the brand. Mm-hmm. Like people aren't watching Law and Order hasn't been around for however many years because it's a wolf entertainment show. They've been sticking around because Olivia Benson, because I don't know really many other characters' names on those shows, but I don't watch that show. But, like, that's not why people stick around. They stuck around, yeah, because Wolf Entertainment produced a hell of a good show and obviously, you know, hired all the people to write that show and create that show and, you know, act on that show. But, like, they ultimately stick around because of the characters. Like, that's why people stick around. Yep. Like, if the characters aren't good, then, like, you don't have a good show. Yep. Um. Yeah. yeah. So we do have one scene after this. Like, <laughs> this is not the end of the episode, unfortunately. Uh, basically, Haley after this decides she has to go back and visit Sean and end things. I'm never coming back here. We had a deal. I'm not coming back. I can't have you in my life can't do this it's not right it's not for me so i won't do it i'm done oh that's okay Haley. that's okay it's a good speech you're just giving it to the wrong person Okay, so obviously Sean basically just tells her, like, we're not done, is basically what he says to her. Mm-hmm. So where do we go from here? Because I don't know. Can we please do something else with Haley? Oh, my God. Like, can season 11 please be the the Haley Upton, like, rediscovery season where, like, she prioritizes herself and gets back in touch with herself and, like, wouldn't that be nice? Goes to like the Hannah Asher boot camp of not giving a fuck. Yeah. That would be amazing. It would be amazing. It would be amazing. I don't like seeing Haley brood every single week. Yeah. And I get it. PD is supposed to be dark and emotional. I got it. I I, I really get that. But you're able to find a balance that isn't broody and dark and emotional with like Kevin. Mm-hmm. or Torres like I mean like or at least it isn't as constant right you know nobody's saying you can't have that happen but like not every episode she's in all season long 
Right. Um, Lizzie, our friend from Fangirlish, she tweeted something really like accurate last night where she was like, this show has just become trauma porn. Literally. And I, yeah, that's exactly. Well, especially, I thought about that in that scene where Sean is retelling his um, Parker, the stuff about the victim, mm-hmm. about that girl and the way he's describing it and their connection. I was like this, I, I literally feel uncomfortable. I feel like I'm watching some kind of like, Lizzie said traumatic porn like that's literally what I feel like I'm watching Mm -hmm. in that scene yeah yep um so yeah that's the episode um Emily our friend um Emily Longaretta over at Variety did do a little interview with Tracy and there were just some interesting things in here so I feel like we should just read some of it Mm mm-hmm um, so it says, you know, until now, Haley hasn't shown how hurt she's been over her husband's exit. Instead, it's all been her head. And it says, quote from Tracy, I think she's going through the motions. She's getting up, going to work, getting up, going to work. But there's a lot of inner ter- turmoil happening. This ultimately will change her in some way, which I'm interested to see how. We're still in the change. She finds out that he's extended his stay and has that breakdown moment of having this hope. And then all of a sudden that's gone. It's the first time we see her break down since he's left, since their goodbye. I think there's going to be some changes for her over the next little while. But, like, what changes? Like, getting divorced? Like. Exactly. There's no other option at this point. Right. Like, I don't, I don't understand. Pawn the ring for all cha- five dollars it's worth and just send well, and it like, like can't yeah. change if you're still old like i i i can't so no what were you gonna say no i just like i feel like she can't cha- like how can she possibly change if she's still married to him right because until she breaks that off she's still gonna be feeling like you know she there is some sort of like she owes jay something but like she doesn't because he left her and didn't tell her that he was extending years to her. So I just, I but I feel like she can't change while she's still in this marriage. No, no. But I, it's 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 not going to be easy for her to walk away from it because of the way she grew up. Like if well, she yeah. feels like she, if she, if she feels like she owes Jay, it's because he loves her and she feels like you know she had to earn that. Well, and at the end of the day, she still loves him. And that's really what's important is that, like, she still loves that man. And the only reason she's a, I mean, the only reason we're even talking about the fact that, like, they shouldn't be together anymore is because he left her. Mm-hmm. It, her feelings didn't stop. Mm-mm. She still loves him and she still wants to be married to him. So. When she killed Roy, like, she didn't run. She stayed and faced it with him. Yeah. Why why does he kill someone and get to run? Yeah. Stupid. So you were talking about, you know, obviously her taking off her wedding ring. And it mm-hmm. says, although Haley still wears her wedding ring, Spurt Dacos knows eventually she'll take it off and close that chapter. She still considers herself married. I think taking it off, I'm sure there will be a moment that will come. Um, I assume that's coming. I'm interested to see what that will be like. Is that a goodbye? Is that self-preservation? I'd like to explore or what I'd like to explore is what that feels like to have been in such a raw place and she's not overly open anyway. I feel like that will probably just shut the door. She will probably just shut that door for a long time. Is she capable of self-preservation though? I don't know. 
I think she's trying to, but I don't know if she actually is. I think her version of self-preservation right now is like what she was, what spirit or what Tracy was talking about earlier, just like work, repeat, you know, work, go home, you know, sleep, work, go home, sleep. Like that's literally, I feel like that is her version of trying to self-preservate, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, And then the last thing was just a comment from uh, Jason. It says, you know, we've had more about the Haley Voight uh, relationship. Because we've had more intimate moments. And when I say intimate, I mean personal revelations. One thing that Voight insists on and admires and is hard for his team to do is that he always wants you to be you. Don't be me. He wants a team of Voights. Haley, even though they might clash, she stands up for herself and isn't afraid to say who she is and what she thinks. So that creates trust. It can create some tension, but it does create trust. Bullshit. Yeah. I, was like, I mean, I okay, that his take makes sense, but also like that's not what that's not what I see on screen. Yeah. It's one thing to say it, it's a different thing for us to like see it. Yeah. Um and yeah, we have obviously a bunch of listener thoughts because listener rage yeah um allison g said i think atwater had all of two lines in tonight's episodes but i appreciated that one of them was about chicago brick and how they wouldn't be able to determine the location from that always like when the la-based writers get chicago details right i have no idea what that means well at one point in the factory or whatever that is (laughs) and they're like looking at the video Kevin makes a comment, and I don't know what the difference between Chicago Brick and other Brick is, but, like, he makes a comment about how, like, oh, yeah, that's definitely Chicago, blah, you know, some, I, I don't remember the exact line, but yeah. I guess there's some difference, and I guess that we wouldn't know this because we're not from Chicago, but I guess it, it makes sense. I don't know. Yeah. Um, And then she also said, they have completely destroyed Jay as a character for no good reason. His exit is now even worse than Gabby's. At least she had the decency to pick up the phone once in a while and eventually came back to tell Casey she was extending her assignment. I don't even know what to say about Jay anymore. Yep. 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 Heather said, I understand the PD writers want Haley to be cold and closed off as a natural progression of her grief that Jay left, but last night felt like character assassination. Was that really the only way she was going to let Sean go for her to be so traumatized by Jay choosing to ghost her that she would cut ties with everyone? I get she needed a reason to break ties with him and that he would make it worse when she tried to leave. But this makes me hate one of my favorite characters and puts me off wanting to watch anything to do with Haley in the future. I'm the same. I I don't dread Haley episodes, but when they come up, I'm just like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Like this episode disrupted the flow of everything that was happening since the midseason. Yeah, we had two fantastic episodes with Torres and Atwater, and now this yep. just kind of like was an anchor, just weighted down. Yep, and that's not on Tracy. That's on what they're doing no. with Haley. Yeah, no, none of this is any reflection on Tracy. No, she kills it. Except Ooh. for the, I mean, the only thing about Tracy is I just feel I want bad. better for her. Yeah, yeah. So um, Heather said, maybe this is assurance that we as the audience understand Jay's really gone for good, or maybe it's a long game so that Upstead will be shattered and over if he ever does come back. But I really don't understand why they're assassinating Jay's character so thoroughly when even at his lowest point, this doesn't seem like something he would do to Haley. If it is, they did a bad job of showing where he's at in the relationship. A bittersweet text that reads, I'm sorry, they offered me an extension and I'm taking it. Or flowers with a note that said he was sorry, but not ready to come back to Chicago. That I could possibly believe. But this just seems like they're grinding a knife in her back just for the fun of it. And it's not just painful to watch. It's infuriating to see. 
They're destroying a character they spent 10 years building up and a five years of a ship they made rock solid. I know we've been warned not to call it characters out of character, but this truly feels like it. That. That. Yeah. That. Like, I get that writers say, you know, Derek's told us a bunch of times when he's come on the podcast, like, it's, you know, it's hard to say that characters are out of character because, like, you know, it's their version of the character. You know, they're the ones who created these characters and, like, you know, they know what's out of character and in character. But, like, I have a hard time believing that no one would call this not out of character. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Uh, and then she said, Jay after Aaron wouldn't do this. The Jay who realized how bad he fucked up with Camilla wouldn't do this. The Jay that got shot because of his guilt over Marcus West wouldn't do this. The Jay said said he would follow Haley anywhere wouldn't do this. Uh, and yeah, so and then she just kind of goes on and points out all these things. He wouldn't do this. Like, he just wouldn't. It's just stupid. Um, and yeah, she ends it and she just says, you know, they need to realize they left too much out for it to be believable after five seasons of groundwork. And that it's really off-putting as a fan to know that they would destroy a fan favorite so thoroughly. This is going to make watching reruns hard. I'm that's, that's how I felt the, the minute he left and watching reruns is, is almost impossible for me. Yep. Yep. It's going to be like fire and med reruns only. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm only like I'm only watching PD if it's after ten oh three. Like I, I can't watch anything from when he was in. Well, it. I mean, it's like you know, at some point because you know, obviously we go back and cover old episodes during hiatus. I'm like, I don't even want to touch. Like I was so excited because we still have a bunch of like my favorite PD season at this point to cover season three, and I'm like, I don't want to touch it. I don't no. want to touch it. Me neither. I just want to live in those happy memories of season three, and you know, yeah. Because, like, you see you see PD before Jesse, before Jay left. You see Fire before Matt Casey left. And you're just like, ah, we had no idea how good we had it. But the thing is, and the thing is, I would actually argue against, I mean, yes, the Casey, you know, Casey, obviously, because Casey was the main part of Fire. But honestly, I really feel like, yes, one, Miranda being gone for those five episodes after Casey left, like, that really hurt. But once we got Hakami and we got Stella back, the back half of season 10 is not bad. No, it's not. Not at all. And not so, like, all. it's like I feel like the season, the fire marker may or may not be uh, Evan's death, but well, it's still TBD. I'm still, we're still not there yet with fire at we're all. We're still processing. We're still processing. But, like, and fire has had some good episodes, too. We're, we're not there yet. But, like, yeah. So, but definitely the PD marker is going to be, like, 10.03. Mm-hmm. It is like it is a ten oh three pre ten oh three world and a post ten oh three world. Pretty yeah. Much. Um, Emily A said, "Back with another Upstead rant. I'm just so sad and confused. He filed for an extension. What is the point of that? He said eight months. So why even address it now? Only for the sake of more sadness. Everyone misses Jay and wants him back and happy, including Haley. She isn't mad at him. She just misses the love of her life and wants him home. And instead of giving us some hope or even having the major say he doesn't know. Oh, he even having the major say he doesn't know. They just added more pain. And what's the end game? What's the payoff? Because if it's divorce, it's just wrong to your viewers who dedicated 10 years to Jay and five to Upstead. Also, Jesse has been on set and even seemed upset in Luch's video about the 200 seemingly because he's not part of the episode and that just makes it all hurt worse honestly and again i don't want to be speaking for all of the one chicago fandom because i i don't but like i i would rather them have done the divorce i really would have yeah 
Like, if it's this, if I have to pick this or them getting divorced, because you can always come back from a divorce. Like, they could just remarry. They could, re, you know, find themselves again, remarry, and fall. Like, there's other ways to do that. Yeah. But you can't come back from a character assassination. No, not at all. Not I mean, at all. Very, I mean, very unlikely. Not to say never, but, like, very unlikely. Yeah. Not at all. Nope. Uh, Manny said, first of all, I'm glad the writers haven't continued this road with and they're they're taking the season in a different direction. I'm also glad that Haley was able to take the situation into her own hands and not be pulled into any more games with Sean. She could have easily gone the other way, but she chose herself and stood her ground. Yeah, because nobody else is going to do it for her. Nobody looks out for this woman. Yep. Except for Ruzik that one time in this episode. That one time for like five seconds. Yeah. And I'm glad he knows like somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Good Lord. Uh, Manny said, I'm proud of her. Also, good riddance to Sean. Jefferson White. I don't think that's the end of Sean. I love Jefferson White. I really do. But, like, Sean needs to get the fuck out. But do you think that's the end of Sean? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it is. He liked one of our tweets last night, and I, like, briefly fangirled in Yellowstone. Well, and, yeah, he follows us, and I'm just like, oh, I Jesus. know. I know. Uh, yeah. He liked one of our tweets and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Um, Jefferson, fantastic. Sean, get the fuck out. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So Manny went on and said, finally, I don't even know what to say about this development with Jay. This feels even more egregious than when he left, at least. He spoke to her then and there was no hint of communication, no phone call, no letter, nothing. Haley had to hear it from his boss. I understand the writers have to find a way to write Jay out of the show, but this is devastating for fans and also for Haley. The decision to write it this way really makes Jay seem like an awful person, which he really isn't. And Sean's final line about Haley saying what she said to the wrong person makes me think that we're headed for the D word. The one no one wants, or at least something like it. Yep. There's no, there's nowhere else. Like there's nowhere else to go. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Manny also said, shout out to Gia Rain Harris. I thought she really directed the heck out of this episode. I'd love to see her back on PD. Gia was part of the, uh, what's the program at Universal with, with the, the MB, female directors? Yeah. yeah. Uh, the one Monica I forget did. the name of it. Yeah. Yeah. Gia's part of that program. Um, and, and she's an Upstead fan. Um, she did an interview with Give Me My Remote. And she basically said that she was like, she read the script about like Jay doing the extension and she was heartbroken herself. Yeah. And I love seeing that, like, there's been a lot of good directors who've come out of that program for these shows, and I really, I did really like her. I Again, I thought this was a good episode. I just hated the content at the end for, like, Jay purposes. That. That. Yeah, no, I mean, I said I hated it, and it's for the, it's for the story. Gia yeah, did a great the, job. It's for the end yes. scene, really. Yes. Had nothing to do with Gia. Gia did a great job. Yeah. So, any other notes on PD? Any more rage? To no, share? no, no. Okay, so that's about all we've got for this week. Um, as always, follow us on social media: Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Tumblr. Meet us at Molly's right across the board. Email us anytime about anything. Seriously, meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. If you want to throw tomatoes at me, go for it. Meet us at Molly's at gmail.com. Uh, Check the link in our socials if you'd like to support the pod on our Patreon page. Starts as starts at as little as two dollars a month. Facebook groups the best part. Mm-hmm. The best part. So uh follow us individually on Twitter. I am at Gina Watches TV, Bryna. 
I am at K 13 So we're taking next week off and it's only because yours truly has a work trip. Um, and there's no new episodes. And there's well, there's no new episodes, but yes, it also happens to the days that we the day that we would be recording, I will not be here. Um, yes. So it just kind of worked out perfectly that way. So yeah, um, we'll be back with new episodes in two weeks, though. Uh, we're still working it out with Connor Perkins to have him come hang with us on the show. Um, well, we're gonna have one week, so there's two weeks because the shows don't come back till the eighth. So the oh, week is there of- two? Did I miscount that? Yeah, there's two weeks in between, so the shows don't come back till the eighth. And then we'll have like the February 1st night, like the week of, you know, the 30th through the 3rd. So maybe we'll do like an old episode or something. I don't know hmm. what we'll do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll do something. So we'll think about it. Oh, there are two weeks. Okay. I did not math correctly. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, so yeah. So you won't hear from us next week, the week after you probably will. But in the meantime, everybody have a great weekend and we will see you in two weeks. Bye.